Hello there. At last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we will have revenge. Hello there. Welcome to a podcast about Star Wars Shatterpoint and the Star Wars universe. My name is Jesse Aiken. I'm joined by Mon Kusro. How are we doing today, Mon? I'm doing well. Very excited because we have a lot of cool things that we're going to talk about today. You know, tier list, man. Yeah, tier list. And we have someone very special with us to help us through this process. Sit them for Kevin. How are you doing? Well, it's great to be here. This was a fantastic uh, invitation. So always happy to come hang out with the Hello There cast. We're happy to have you. Absolutely. And we're happy to discuss with Kevin today his amazing run in the Hello There League and the primary TTS League before we get to this tier list. Right, Amon? Absolutely. And I just want to say that the power of the dark side is strong on today's episode. We have the rule of two. We have the Emperor and the Sith Lord. So we're very excited. And I just hope that you're ready for this dark energy. Jesse, you're impossibly outnumbered today. Sorry about it. You know, I have a Star Wars camel to help me out as I'm alone in the desert. But keep the dark side at bay. We'll be fair today to both sides of the force when we do the tier list, especially, I think. There's some winners and losers for sure. I definitely think the dark side is just winning in all aspects of this podcast and this game. No argument there. That's pretty accurate. I think we all agree on that point. But, you know, secondaries is a really fun conversation because it might be the most nuanced place in the game, right? Yeah. So, but before we get to that, we have some people to thank and we have to talk about Kevin with his run in the leagues. But let's talk about these people we got to thank real quick. I'm on. Of course, Hello There is supported by our patrons at patreon.com slash hello there cast. If you enjoy the show, consider supporting us with a monthly contribution and getting access to our private discord. We take this time to thank all of our patrons for their support. Yes, Jesse, we have a brand new patron for the Padawan Acolyte tier, Jeff. Jeff, thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much, Jeff. And of course, we cannot do this show without our producers. That's Jedi Survivor, Rusty, Jello Jedi Pirate, and Bounty Hunter Brady. And then, of course, we have our executive producers as well. And so I'll mention the other two because we've got one on our show today. (laughs) But we have Crime Lord, Daimyo, Matt, and Grandmaster Griffin. Absolutely. And last but not least, in fact, our first ever executive producer, the Emperor himself, Emperor Kevin. Thank you. Thank you for being here, Kevin. Well, let's get right into this main topic today of Kevin's amazing run with the dark side of the force. So Kevin, starting with the Hello There League, you're in the finals right now. And spoiler alert, it's you and me. We made it there. We did it. Let's talk about what you played in the Hello There League and maybe some similarities and differences between that and the primary TTS League. Sounds good. Thinking back to this league, it's been quite a journey over all these games. It's no surprise to anybody. I've played Vader in literally almost every game of Shatterpoint. So just going to throw that one out there now. I think he's immensely powerful. He's immensely awesome. Second favorite character in Star Wars. So by default, I feel like I have to. But my games were just so wildly different in terms of the experience. It's like, yes, I somehow managed to get to the finals here with you. Um, But this community has been awesome. You know, some great games the entire way, making new friends, getting to know people, and just having a great time with this game that is really special to all of us here. Fought a lot of Republic, fought a lot of CIS, and not a whole lot of other Vaders, actually, this entire stretch. It was a lot of Dathomirian, it felt like. Dathomir was pretty popular this this league for us, I think. Makes sense. They're really cool. They're really fun. They're really strong. Okay, so very cool. So you mentioned Vader is your anchor, as we've coined on this podcast. Very much. So Vader is also your anchor in the primary TTS League as well? 
uh, yes, consistent throughout. Kevin, I got a question for you. You mentioned Vader is your second favorite Star Wars character. Who is the first? I can't believe we're doing this, but it's Emperor Palpatine. There's no questions asked. He's the best character in Star Wars. I'll fight anybody who wants to argue with me on that. I just, I love the guy most of my life. Since I think I got into Star Wars when I was a kid, I was like, oh, who's this really chaotic old guy who just likes to cackle and throw lightning? And this was back when I was a child. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. And then as time has gone on and I've kind of grown up and prequels and everything that's come since then, he's just, he's fascinating. I don't care if he's evil. He's just the most chaotic in the galaxy and I live for him. So perfect. Sith Emperor Kevin, spoken like a true Sith Emperor. We wouldn't have this exciting tale of Star Wars if it weren't for all of his messy shenanigans. So I'll just do what you will with that information, but facts are facts. 100%. And his fascination with the Skywalkers, you know, that he just can't let go. So. That's a whole thing. Emperor Kevin is waiting for Emperor Palpatine to come out in the game. We all know this. But until then, Vader is going to keep you satiated, right? I think so. I think so, for sure. Another question. So, hypothetically, let's say Emperor Palpatine does come to Star Wars Shatterpoint. What kind of box would you like him to be in? It can be a dual pack or it can be a squad pack. So, I've given this a lot of thoughts. And I could be sold one way or the other. Um, My initial thought when I was giving us some consideration was a dual pack of him versus Yoda, much like the Kenobi Vader dual pack. Just sure. each of them. I don't know. Give me the Senate chamber or wherever the hell you want to have them fighting. Well, probably there actually, I would love that. Cause I think it'd be a great way to bring, you know, like a six squad point Palpatine, a six squad point Yoda into the game and just have a blast with them. If it wasn't that, then just good old fashioned him, some Royal guard. And then I, I guess for a secondary if we're keeping with theme, probably like Kirkanos from, I mean, I guess that's technically, would that be Legends or is that canon still? He's, he's probably one of those both, right? Yeah. I think he's, yeah, I can't mean, even he's... like skirts between. Yeah. So I'll take that. I'll take him and some Royal Guard any day. Or I don't know, maybe even a secondary Vader. You never know. That would be insane. That would be absolutely insane. I had forgot how the points work with that. Okay. Good question, Amon. I think that is very valid and very, man, interesting when they bring. Palpatine and Yoda in the game, what that's going to look like point-wise. So, be an exciting day for the Republic. Well, yeah, absolutely. And maybe even, like, where does Yoda fit in this rest of the game as well, right? Like, outside of Republic, like, does he have any synergy with Rebels, or is that a different Yoda entirely, right? So... it's a good point. I would love to see Yoda. That would be very high on my list. But, you, okay, so you did well in the Hello There League, and I think you were playing Vader pretty much every game. Were there some reoccurring other primaries that came out to play a lot in this league before we move on to the talk about the TTS league? So I have been leaning hard into Vader Plo since Plo got dropped and it has been a wild and exciting ride. Absolutely. Um, I, I just think it just works so well together. I think every game I've run them, anytime I've attacked with Plo, I haven't not gotten that free force push that we're all, you know, like seeking after when he attacks. I love it. Um, it just, it just works. So, uh, I ran that for quite a few of them. Um, and then would occasionally pivot into grand inquisitor. Cause I, I love the guy. I think he's a great unit. I think he's underappreciated. Um, I would love to see people utilize him more, uh, but I understand that it's very niche and he basically has to function with Vader. I, there, I, you can run him with, I don't know, something like Cat, or I've seen like Talzin, yeah. or even Maul. I mean, you can get interesting with it, but I think it is just a very niche pick, so I can understand people's hesitation. Plus, if people haven't watched Rebels, I mean, they're missing out. But Let's talk about Grand Inquisitor a little bit. So, I think the community, as you've mentioned, or alluded to at least, is kind of down on him. But I watched your game, 
against, I, I don't know actually your opponent's name, but it was top four for the TTS main league, and you oh, won. Yeah, yep, playing against Ace. Yeah, you well, won. Well, I mean, that's, with... that Ace is his, um, excuse me, his... Uh, Discord. Discord, but it's uh, Steven, Steven Porter, I believe. So against Ace, you played the Grand Inquisitor, and it was like a hybrid, like Rebel, or Republic list, excuse me? It was definitely a little bit of that. I think I played more games with Rex than I have with Vader at this point, because Rex, I run with everybody. He's just, we'll get into that. But it's Vader, Rex, Arfs, and then I had Barris in there with Grand Inquisitor, just because I felt like she's, I mean, she's a great piece. She is perfect for control. She's great with those early access to shoves. Um, and I think she just helps me set up the board the way I want. And then, of course, running Fifth Brother with Grand Inquisitor for that final piece. Love the sound of that. Also, I love Barris learning under the Grand Inquisitor. The lore works. I can she see had the it. whole experience, the whole dark side uh, training experience there for her. Mm-hmm. It's actually quite an interesting list, too. In some ways, you could describe it as ingenious because you have this Republic character and this Inquisitorious character in your Vader primary who is able to synergize so well with the Inquisitorious units and then the Republic units as well. I think it's actually a very interesting list design. Was that your intention when playing that specific list, or do you think it just kind of naturally came about while you were just throwing stuff together? Like, What was your intention behind that? So I've run that a lot of different ways. Um, I've been trying to find the right piece to be that secondary for Grand Inquisitor. Um, It's been Vader, Rex, Arcs, for almost all of my games like that's just that is the core unit that is the foundation of everything i've run and it just it just functions so well together um but then yes it can function really well with uh, the grand inquisitor one and i think fifth brother is just too good a piece with grand inquisitor with vader to not take those control elements he has they're so good i mean you guys talked about it in the last cast put him in s tier for a good reason he's he's a great piece but i think barris in there just provides something unique and in addition to that where you know it's may not be the best use of force but if there's a situation where maybe i have a barris um fifth brother you know back-to-back activation just being able to know that okay if i want to drop four force i can throw a bunch of people off a bunch of points and just just score dice and there's nothing my opponent can do about that so that feels good when it can happen and then sometimes you live the dream and they roll hot and you take damage with vader's identity and then they both get it for free and then you're just you know it's hard for anyone to come back from that i love that i also think grand inquisitor is better than people are giving him credit for and something kevin and i have talked a lot about with in our practice games and just like in general because i mean he kind of is this he just got to get dug in right if he's not dug in he he has a hard time he's very dooku-esque in that way but once he's dug in Man, he can just be an amazing piece uh, in the middle of the battle, right? So he just he just got to be on a side flank or dug in or something. So I like that. Maybe this is what you were kind of hinting at him on, but it's like with Kevin's Vader, he always access access to those arfs and to Rex being kind of like standalone pieces. But then with a package with the Grand Inquisitor like that, you are like you said, Kevin, bringing all this guaranteed displacement on top of just a consistent normal team, which is I guess you're building around Rex. It sounds like, which is very interesting. I mean, let's just call it what it is. He's 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 MVP. He's my number one. He's just exceptional. Such a great character. He's a hero. I'd love to talk about Rex when we get into the tier list portion because oh, we will. For me, I think there's a good conversation between picking between him and Ahsoka. But again, let's continue to talk about your current. Yeah. No, I don't play Rex enough. I play Ahsoka too much, but I just love her. So 
keeping with the bad guy theme, uh, the last one I was running for a few of these was Cad. I think Cad Bane's a cool unit. I liked him a lot. Um, you know, in the different shows that he's popped up in, I think he's a unique character, and I like his synergy with Vader. Vader wants to kill things. Cad wants to kill things. Everybody gets rewarded for it. Similar to Grand Inquisitor, of course. I just think he again, he's another unit that works well with it. Where and it gives me it gives me something different to flex into because with Plo and with Grand Inquisitor, I've got guys who are trying to be in the front line, in the thick of it. And Cad gives me that flexibility to have somebody who can kind of be at the distance, you know, playing it safe, waiting for the right time to come in. And then when he needs to, utilizing that identity, getting in with those like flamethrower, you know, melee attacks and just wreaking havoc that way. I mean, you don't have to sell us on Cad here, but I, I do love the Cad synergy with Vader you got going on, Kevin, because like you said, everyone benefits. And I guess also Cad gives you a lot of freedom in the Premier List format, right? Because of his threat band of nine, right? Yes. So, absolutely. So, if anything, at worst, that's his best role in the game right now, right? It's just giving you options in the Premier format. And I think he's yep. amazing for that. And like you said, things like that guaranteed two damage is really scary when you can't reduce it with things like protection and stuff. And also, he just gets where he wants with his mobility and his defensive expertise. Out of activation moves, if they're not in range, it's just, it's good. You attack him, he somehow jumped back on the point. Yep. Things like that, right? And you, now you feel like you, you're down a turn. So I could totally see that. Who were you running with Cad Bane? So uh, uh, Django, because I, I'm trying to give Aura a fair shot, but Django just does it better. And if he kills something and you're with Cad, that's, that's four force back. That's a lot. If it's a, yeah, I mean, I can't pass that up. So I ran Django and I ran uh, Super Commandos. Okay. So let's talk about that. Was this just leaning into your, just getting people's faces, basically? Basically. Jetpacks, rocket boots, that whole squad is just flying wherever they want to go. And I mean, we all know how good Super Commandos are. They're just a really effective unit. They can really be dropped in anywhere. And I still, you know, I find a lot of value with them. Well, and also like how powerful they are is showcased by you playing a point down with Cad, right? Because combination of them and Django, they're both such good units. I mean, it doesn't matter that you're down a point. Exactly. Yeah. So I like that combo a lot. So, okay. So it sounds like you played obviously Vader every game. And did you kind of just jump between Cad, Grand Inquisitor, and Plo evenly? Or was it just kind of matchup dependent? Or how did, how did that eventually land? I think I started when I went into both of these premier, you know, top cuts. I was of the opinion that I would play the thing that I felt most confident with early. And then just I'm focused on getting to the finals, right? And then so maybe my less practice list, I'll just have at the end. And I know that's, you know, I, you can take it one way or the other. And I know everyone's got a different opinion on that. So I'm not saying that mine is right or wrong. I just think that's what worked for me. So it was a lot of like those early games for both leagues was Vader Plo because I felt the most prepared for that. And I also felt like my opponent was the least practiced against it because Plo had just come out. So that gave me a bit of an inherent advantage there. And then pivoting into Grand Inquisitor for some of those like midway ones. And now you know, getting into the finals for both, um, you know, having had the one with Morgan with Cat as my remaining one that I hadn't played. Um, and against you, it's going to be Ahsoka. Right. So looking forward to it. But I tried to play I tried to play my more practice things early so I could get to the finals rather than play the thing I'm least practiced with, lose and then not even have a shot at it. I think that's Mon's stance on this format as well. I haven't quite figured out my stance on it yet. I've actually done the opposite. Case in point, I haven't played Obi-Wan yet in my premier list. I did notice that. 
I've been studying. I saved maybe the best for last, possibly. I'm not sure, but I, I don't know if there's really a rhyme or reason. I think it's what works for you as a player, right? So that's the approach I've chosen to take this league, my change next league, right? I'm very much so of the opinion that it's better to make it to the final and lose than not to make it to the final at all. Now, I think you're right, Jesse, in that there are scenarios or situations that can come up where there are certain lists that work, or maybe you can chance it or take risks. Like ideally, you play your quote unquote weakest list in round one. But I also think it's really interesting. Like the human psyche is like people would are more willing to play their stronger stuff later just to say they made it like in the top eight or the top four or the top two, right? So it's a very interesting, almost philosophical conversation that you could have in general in terms of the psychology of the competitors. But in general. I think if you're good enough to make it to the final, even if you're playing your quote unquote weakest list, you have a good chance of winning that final, especially if your opponent has done the same thing, which I guess happened when you played Morgan, right, Kevin? Yeah, I think he had also mentioned too that, I mean, prior to our game, during our game, during your podcast episode with him, he did mention that, you know, his least prepared was probably that Dooku Vader combo, much like mine was Vader Cad. And so I think we're both in similar spots with that. I will swear by that method only because I know myself well enough to know that if I were to go into the first round of a top cut and play the, like you said, weaker list, if we're going to call it that, and then I get eliminated, I'm going to be kicking myself because, you know, it could have been avoided. Potentially, you know, things happen. Sometimes dice go awry. Sometimes your opponent just outplays you and there's nothing you can do about it. But yeah, I think I'd much rather just continue to lean on, play the stronger things first, and then you know, just make it to the end. And I'll take that as a win. Awesome. So taking a look at your runs here, you're in the finals with Jesse for the Hello There League. You end up getting second in the online TTS League. What do you think helped you prepare for such a strong performance in both leagues? Are there any units that you would say were integral to your strategy? Were there certain units that you wish you had included? Like, Give us some of your initial thoughts in terms of why you think you're so successful thus far. And then what would be really interesting, I think, would be to understand and learn maybe some of the changes that you wish you had made. I'll start with a boring answer. The first probably truest answer is just practice. Reps, lots of reps, lots of games with Vader. I mean, like I've said, I've played him in tons of practice games. I've played him in tons of league games. Um, Just getting the reps and the experience into different matchups into different synergies with what I'm running on my side, different map layouts, you know, it just all of that, I think, helped build towards knowing that if I was going to come into, you know, a matchup against maybe something that was unfavorable, I would have the tools to be able to address it because I've gotten the reps into it. One thing that scared me a lot early on, you know, a month, two months ago, was fighting against Mother Talzin because she was pretty solid counter to what my game plan was. My game plan was, I talked to both of you about this, was, you know, no mercy, kill everybody, get as many wounds as possible. And that was the game of Shatterpoint I played. And then when she came out, that just stopped working because I have lost numerous games to her, retaliating, hitting me back. And and there was nothing I could do about that. Um, so I had to shift gears in terms of how I played. And now I try to play a more reserved game centered around, yes, killing people at the right time, but controlling the board and controlling where people are going and shoving people into oblivion if I need to or setting people up to you know be stacked with conditions and maybe left on like one or two health left and then I'd rather have them sitting there and have a horrible activation 
than me just taking them out and wounding them, you know? And I, that's something that I've had, had a lot of practice into with Talzin. So I felt like when I was in both of these leagues, if I was matched up against her, I had a pretty good shot at it because I figured out something that worked for me with my list in terms of being able to deal with her as a unit. So the short answer is, or <laughs> the simple answer is practice. And then I would say there's definitely things I would change. I guess before I get to that, I know I mentioned Rex, and we're going to talk about talk about him here in a little bit too, but I think he's just been integral to my success as well. He's just such a power piece, and he really does keep the team moving. He keeps things going. I've had whiffs from Vader. I've had you know not great activations from, I think, many units, but I feel like Rex is the one that is consistently doing things for my people. He's you know, dashing around, he's letting other people dash. If it's a clone, he's they're gaining hunker, they're recovering. So maybe they're dashing over to Vader, pulling a disarm or, or a pin or something off of him and setting him up for his next activation. Um, I just think that he was a, an essential part to that as well. So shout out to Rex. Love that guy. Consistent. Yep. And I'm sorry, Matt, I think there was another part to your question and I totally missed it. No, I think you, I think you got most of it. The second part was if there were any changes you could or would have made, do you know what they would have been? hard to say i know there's definitely things i would change with like what i what i take posture like the cad one i think i have just gotten too comfortable with certain units and what i need to do as a player is i need to push myself to try different things and play the things i'm not comfortable with and yes i might lose at first and i might have some not great games but that's how i'm gonna learn you know if if i want to take it all the way back to you know my shatterpoint journey my very first game of shatterpoint ever was right before the preseason Hello There One League was going to kick off, and it was against Jesse. And that was just, I got completely crapped on. Like, it was not even close. No contest. But I think throughout this course of time, it's it's just, you know, I, I want to play different things. I want to try other combinations, you know, and just become more well-rounded as, as a whole. I think what you said there is is very impactful for many reasons. Number one, I think it is important to always play as many things as you can. It just makes you a better player. It makes you a better competitor. It makes you understand your matchups. But number two, what you said earlier, your first game you ever played, you got absolutely, in your words, crapped on. And a lot of people, unfortunately, would get crapped on in a game and then decide, hey, you know what, maybe this game isn't for me. But the fact that you stuck through is an important lesson for any tabletop war game or board game or even sport in that you're not going to be good at anything when you first try it. Very rarely are people good at something. But if you keep sticking through it and you keep playing, then, you know, you can be great. And you've proven that in two different leagues that are highly competitive with great players in both, that you can make it to, you know, a top two position at the very least. We have yet to see how your match will go with Jesse. Maybe it's your time for revenge. But I just think that's really cool, Kevin. I just, failure is the best teacher. Like that's just, it's a, it's a fact of this game. It's a fact of any of these games. It's a fact of life. If we're going to go there. You just got to stick with it. Keep trying, you know, find your way through. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited because like thinking back to that first, that preseason league, it's like, I think I got like second to last place or third to last. I was down there. I think I won one game out of the four. So it's just, it's been a fun progression. Just trying reps, doing different combinations, fighting, you know, playing, you know, play those games against the things that maybe you're uncomfortable with. Like I said, Talzin scared the crap out of me. And so when I do, I just practice against her a bunch. And now... She's a great piece, but it's manageable. You learn things if you just give it time. Absolutely. So, Jesse, before we jump to the tier list, are there any other questions that you have surrounding Kevin's performance? Well, first of all, when you guys were talking about that and Kevin was recounting his like 
growth as a player, I immediately thought of Yoda's line, greatest teacher failure is, right? And something that Luke had a hard time with, you know, it's that Skywalker blood. But I forgot, Kevin, that your first game was against me, by the way. So it's all coming back to me here because you and I have played so many times since, so many times. Yes. And it's been amazing. And I've helped you with your Vader practice behind the scenes too. It's been really helpful for me because I think Vader is a powerful piece. So any Vader games are very welcome to play against him. And I think uh, my final question, Amon, would be like with for Kevin is like, what's next for you for growth as a player? Because you mentioned growth. Maybe listeners can take this as their own way to show where you started and where you're at now. You're you're literally like, as Amon said, second place at worst in two major leagues. So what's next for you as a player? You you kind of alluded to getting yourself out of your comfort zone. So what does that look like mm-hmm. for you going forward? Well, that's a great question. And uh, I have an answer for you. So after our climactic finish here with yep. our game, I will be hanging up the towel with Vader. And anyone that's listening to this can throw this in my face. I, I won't even use him against practice unless you want me to. Um, I'm ready to just hard pivot away from him because I've gotten comfortable with it, right? And I feel like, okay, I need to really challenge myself and do something that maybe isn't as, I don't want to say competitive, but it's not as utilized or seen so far in the community. So it's going to be just a straight, pure, nothing crazy. I'm not tossing Django or brother in the list. It's just going to be pure Galactic Republic with Anakin as the focal point and him being the new anchor for me to pivot like all of my teams around. Very good. Insert the Kylo quote right here. I feel the pull to the light. I think if anything, you're saying, Kevin, you're just completely, you didn't mention that like Vader may be a little competitive and we, we, me and Amon definitely strongly agree with that. And I think we're all in agreement there. It's less about Vader being competitive and it's more about Vader being, and something me and Amon have kind of talked about with Vader off mic and on the show a lot, which I think is just an unfortunate truth. He's very straightforward at times. Yeah. Right. And that's not very exciting if you want to be a really competitive player. And so I could totally see you pivoting to something like Republic and having this whole new puzzle to crack, right? Which is completely different play style. And I look forward to seeing what you learn from that, what you can teach us. Me as well. Looking forward to that exciting adventure. Um, Yeah, Vader, it's been a good run. But yeah, after our game, I think that's it for him. Okay. Well, it'll be a good game and we'll, we'll send Vader off right for sure. So anything else you have? Sounds great. Anything else you have him on? (laughs) No, let's jump into this tier list. Let's do it. So if you guys haven't listened to our first tier list, please do, because we're going to be building off the building blocks of that. And our first tier list was about the supports in the game. So we're continuing to ascend up the ladder. And today we're going to be doing secondaries. But most notably, I will mention while we're here, we will change things as we go along. We organically did this last time. and I think it worked out in a really positive way for me and I'm on both. We both had some change of hearts as the list went on, because as the list will manifest, it'll become very clear that someone might be maybe incorrectly placed slightly and we'll adjust that accordingly. So this is not our definitive, perfect everything. This is going to be an organic process. And we want to hear you guys like us discuss it between the three of us, right? So keep that in mind. And also keep in mind too, the game's in a great spot, right? This is pretty conjecture at the moment. And I think also as the game continues to grow, we talk about this a lot, certain models that might be low down the tier list will find more homes which is something we talked about last time as well. But Amon, do you want to refresh the listeners real quick on the S to D tier system before we get started? So when we're doing rankings and tier lists, I think it's important to keep in mind what each of these different categories entail. And so we're doing an S through D system, S being the highest tier, the best tier, 
and D being the lowest tier. S tier refers to units that have a lot of flexibility. They are quite ubiquitous. It doesn't, they don't necessarily need to rely on a particular tag or strategy. They are generally plug and play. They are generally powerful. They are generally impactful on the battlefield. And that makes them very popular in competitive circles, especially, but just gaming in general. As we ascend down the ranks, you'll notice that perhaps in the D tier, these units are very reliant on tag synergy, very reliant on order deck order, very reliant on maybe a lot of force, aren't necessarily very plug and play, maybe a little complicated, and even in optimal situations, tend to perform under a bell curve. Now, we don't expect a lot of characters to be in the D tier. However, we do expect most characters to fall somewhere between A and C. Obviously, there are some exceptions to that rule, and I think it'll be really helpful for all of us to just understand (laughs) where our heads are at by just go ahead and saying, while we are going to do this in alphabetical order, I think it's fair to start with Django, and that Django is probably the strongest secondary in this game. It's not unit. If not unit, he's going to be top of S tier. We can discuss why, but I think it's important to just give you an example of what these units, in terms of their stack ranking, will be placed. And so Django being all the way at the top might give you a little bit of reference as a listener. But Kevin, you are our guest. So why don't you take it away with why Django is an S tier unit, if you agree? Okay, where do I start? I am so sick to death of talking about Django. I can't stand this guy. He's I love the character of Django. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but man. this unit does too much. There's too many things happening. And he's just he can be dropped anywhere. He gets you force refresh. He gives you displacement. He can fly all over the board if he wants to. Doesn't have to attack anybody. Can just jump and it jump three times, advance, do whatever he wants to do. Um sorry, jump twice, but he's just he's such a good piece. And We've all been in situations where our character's activation was cut short by not so fast. Some of us have had more traumatic experiences where we got not so fast for like four or five damage. And that was just like, okay, well, you know, good game. This has been fun. Let's re-rack. Yeah, let's yeah reset. He's crazy. He's crazy. <laughs> he does too much. That's a great summary. He does too much. He has diceless displacement. He has excellent dice. He has excellent mobility. He has out-of-activation abilities, but not so fast, right? He literally has every feature of the game in one character, right? All for cheap force. He's also only four points, which I think is relevant because as a four-point unit, you should be weaker than five-point units. But he outclasses not only every other four-point unit, but also every five-point unit, Mm -hmm. and needless to say, every three-point unit as well. The biggest challenge that I find with Django is his ability to remove an opponent's turn from the game. Shatterpoint is a game in which we are playing alternating activations. You go, then I go, then you go, then I go. And that game fundamentally breaks when I get to go twice in a row, or you get to go twice in a row. The whole momentum system breaks when a player gets to go twice. There is no longer a tug and pull. It's just tug, tug, game over, or struggle over, rather. And so, for those reasons, Django can not only overperform in almost every other category, we've talked about his insane expertise, especially at range, his damage output, his movement, his non-dice manipulation of other units. Yeah. 
But then now also he can take away an enemy turn. Diceless displacement is insane. Diceless displacement. Yes. Thank you, Jesse. And now I'm taking away your turn. That not only is NPE, but also just very, very strong. It's bananas. And I mean, maybe you guys even mentioned this on like a much earlier podcast, but I've heard someone say this where a recommendation would be with that ability, just let them pull the next one in their order deck. So you're not taking their turn away. That's a change. Was that you, Amon? That was Amon Maybe you for said sure, that. yeah. Okay. I know I'm, I'm not, this is not a unique idea to me. I heard someone else say this, so I'm just copying it. We want several changes to be done, yes. Make the force cost go up by one. I'd be a little happier. You know, we can start there. Yeah, make whip court as go it up. stands now, it's just, no, it's too much. I mean, the fact that he's the only Mandalorian that can double jump, right? Outside, of course, Mandalorians can double jump if they get down their tree after they paid for a jump, right? But that's like contingent on Django can just double jump no matter what at any given time, right? Like he can just. I mean, if he does it right, what is it? Uh, I feel like it's quad. Let me pull up that chart again here. <laughs> I'll just say this. Yeah, while that's, you're... that's quad jumping. Quad if, ju- if you do everything right and you got the force for it, you, you focus, you jetpack, you sail through your tree. There you go. That's four hops and you're just across the map. That's Django. He's the quad jumper. It's a Star Wars ship. Yeah, I will say this. Even without quad jumping, if you start, if you're looking at the map uh, for shifting priorities and from your perspective, player one, if Django is in the top left point and let's say the active priority happens to be the bottom right point, he can make it there. It's nuts. I mean, I've had games with Django where he's won me struggles because all he did was focus, jetpack, advance, capture wire someone off a point. And then take it for himself. And it's like, okay, that's cool. Good job, Django. Doesn't even need to shoot. Yeah. Nope. Which is probably fortunate because my Django has a tendency to bring water guns instead of his blasters. So I typically have to rely on him to just displace things. Well, you can't roll well in every game now, can you, Kevin? No, you cannot. (laughs) (laughs) So Django is our beginning of our spectrum, right? And he's like, he's a quintessential S, right? Because ideally in game design, you want most of these models to end up in B, that's just really where it to be. Anything above B is going to be okay. It's pushing on the game system a little bit in a, in a you know very competitive way. So Django being top of this, I think guaranteed at this moment in time in the game, fall 2023, says a lot. It does. And so as a frame of reference, you know, again, our apologies if that came off sort of like micro ranty, but I think we've just experienced a lot of interesting situations with Django that can challenge you as a person. <laughs> and so we just wanted to highlight that regardless, he is number one on this list. If Django is your favorite character. I'm so happy for you. He is phenomenal. Phenomenal. But now what we're going to do is we're going to go in alphabetical order, starting with Aura all the way down to third sister third sister from there we'll go ahead and see where everyone stack ranks so jesse why don't we go ahead and get you started with aura saying the five point cost bounty hunter that's probably one of the toughest ones out the gate let's be real it'll be really tough all around guys secondaries are really nuanced in the game and i think massive players that we kind of forget about sometimes right so my gut initially would say aura c bottom of c I mean, my initial gut, and a big part of that is, is based on her point costs. I think if she was a four cost, we'd have a whole different conversation, right? About Aura, because her mobility is insane. She's very consistent with getting through her tree. The fact that she has hit and run after she attacks and she gets to make a decision, right? So she can do mobility things on her tree and then choose to hit and run after she sees where she physically is on the board. 
say, oh, I can hit and run and score that side point. That's really good. Payday is also very good. And I also think Aura is going to age really well as the game goes on. But since the game is in its infancy, Payday has less uses and less synergy as the game stands at the moment, especially because she is one of only two five-cost models in the game. So already her spots are very limited where she can show up. And I already think that's kind of pigeonholing us into that category of maybe below B categories where it's she's a role filler in very certain spots for her threat costs. And my gut says bottom of C, but I'm not sure. What do you guys think? I think I would agree with you. I'm not necessarily sure where she might fit in the C tier, but I think she's certainly probably in there. And the reason being is, yes, you mentioned the five point cost, which does complicate list building. It's really interesting with these bounty hunter characters because in theory, they do tick a lot of the boxes that you want in your upper tiered characters where they have a lot of flexibility. They have a lot of synergy without relying on tags, if you will, although you could argue that with Payday because you're gaining the tag. But I think what I struggle the most with Aura is, first of all, expendable distraction, right? You have to damage your own allies in order to maximize damage output with Aura. That can be tough, especially when those characters may or may not have protection. It depends on who you're playing it with. Secondly, the eight stamina. It's yes. just too low. I don't think you do expendable distraction very much. I think it's like Obi-Wan's so uncivilized. It's it's a, it's an ability that's on his card. Yeah, we'll get to that later with Obi-Wan, but it's like the force cost of that is absolutely silly. But it's one of those things where it's like extra flavor. I think you play Aura for the double attack, right? That's unique to her. She gets the double attack. Very unusual in this game to get an additional attack on top after your normal attack and the hit and run. And everything else is icing. So the payday is icing, the expendable distractions icing. And yeah, the payday is great. Like if you can like Dathomirian Inquisitorious that, that's great, right? Like you can get a lot of like triggers, right? But with the payday. But I really think it's all about the hit and run, Amon. I think you and I talked about that in our episode of like about Aura, right? Where it's like, it's all about the fact that she's insanely mobile. But eight is not enough for a model that costs five, I think is where you're landing. And I completely agree with that. And maybe it's why her tree is so mobile. But even though her tree is so mobile, we're in an aggressive meta at the moment and she can't get away. Yeah. And you know, if you were to go in that line of thinking where everything else is icing on the cake except from hit and run, then I think it just makes her objectively worse. I mean, yes, you can potentially do eight damage on the tree, give an expose, give a strain, give a pin. And make a reposition. That's pretty cool. Nine damage with one expertise. Yeah, I, I was not counting expertise. Of course, yeah. I think in that situation, sure, it sounds good on paper, but how often is she actually doing that? In my experience, and I put Aura on the table, you know, I would say a decent amount in my practice games. She's just never, ever, ever, I felt like, done her weight in terms of the five-point cost. I mean, Kevin, I don't know if your experience has been different, but even with CAD... I know it's hard to compare to Django, and so it's it's hard to not judge the character. Right, because I like this character as a character. Yeah, for sure. In this game, though, listen, on her best day, she is barely clinging on to the bottom of C. Like I would need to be convinced not to push her off the cliff into D, because that's just been my experience with her, both against her and using her myself. She just... She's the exact opposite of Django, right? Django does everything, and she doesn't really do any one thing particularly well or even average it's great yeah that she can have a second attack if you're paying for it and again i 
don't really see that come up a whole lot. Um, but at the end of the day, it's a five dice attack on somebody whose expertise tree, honestly, I just don't think is good. Like the number of times I have seen her roll, yes, a big attack. Maybe she's throwing the dream. She's doing a 10 dice attack because she did two damage to somebody. Right. Played a game against Brady earlier this week and he utilized her. And it just felt bad because she got like five or six expertise. And it's like, oh, cool. What do I get for that? Two crits and a damage. So there's four damage and two conditions, which just doesn't, that doesn't feel great for a five cost character. I think that she needs some, if, if we're not going to lower her, her cost overall, I think she needs one more crit in each of her boxes for the expertise, you know, started at crit and a damage, right? And then go to two crits and a damage and then three crits and a damage. I think, okay, now we're moving in the right direction for what you're trying to accomplish with this character. I think her defects, defensive expertise is also not great. It's like climb is cool, but if someone's in your face, that doesn't matter. You can't climb out of engagement, you know, so that's kind of wasted. I, I just, yeah, I would love to see her expertise changed a little bit. I would even like to see something where even for her, like maybe because she's a more experienced bounty hunter, whatever the lore is you want to use to fit this, I wouldn't mind her payday being reactive and not costing anything. Sure, have the bounty hunters cost one to start with, but if hers was just three until she was wounded, I would even take that. But like as that. it stands now, I just I don't think she does enough. Yeah, and I do want to, for framing the rest of the conversation, I just want to, for the sake of time, obviously, because we do want to keep this in a proper format, in, I think we should avoid talking about what we'd like to change on the character uh, and maybe just focus on how the character focuses and performs in the current game uh, just because we have to get through 15 total characters. That's fair. So bottom of C for me. Yeah, I think bottom of C is a good place to put her right now, Amon. And I think maybe because she has the reposition on our tree and because she has hit and run and because she could take a move action, they rated her really high because, I mean, really, her best move, as I alluded to it this whole time, and when we did our episode, is she can triple move. That's unusual in this game, right? But she's got to get five spots on her tree to do the triple move, right? But she can always do the double move in theory. So it is it is very useful when a struggle flips to pivot and score it, right? The way that I would respond to that is, I don't care how much you move if you just die. And her defensive expertise is terrible. She doesn't have enough dice, and she just dies in every game. I'm saying I think they rated her five because she's the model who moves the most in the game as of right now, right? And when I say moves, I mean advance because at the end of the day, Django has the quad jump. So he moves a lot too, right? Right. Well, let's move on. Let's go to Barris, And she is a four-point Jedi Padawan secondary. Now, Kevin, you've been on a Republic kick lately. Let's get your thoughts on Barris. I think she's an A, just to put it out there from the get-go. I think she she does a lot. I mean, it... The force push is what it is. We know how good it is. We've seen it enough. We've all experienced it enough at this point with the number of games we played. It's just, it's effective. It's displacement without rolling dice, like we talked about. Um, and then even when she does roll dice, she's moving you. Like, even with just a couple successes, all those shoves in that tree. And yes, it's awesome when you can get the, you know, the free force push, but, you know, you don't play her for that. You play her for a couple of shoves and maybe you dump two force into a push. And then all of a sudden, you know, maybe you shoved somebody off this point and you've, then run over to this point with a four speed, something like that, and you push someone else off. And she, if she can influence two points by herself, that's just automatic A for me. Like, that's just a good model. Well, I don't think you're getting much pushback from us, but we can discuss this, right, Amon? Yeah, so contrary to what your statement just said, I will push back on this. I love Barris. I think Jesse and I have sung her praises for a long time on this podcast. In terms of a support 
especially when compared to the 14 other secondary units in this game, I don't think she's A tier. I think most people would rank her in C tier, but I give her more credit than that. I'll put her in B tier, and I'll tell you why. Number one, the eight stamina, again, I think is is really, really hurts a lot in a meta-oriented game. <laughs> Four defense at range is bad. I'll give you that. That is horrible. It's pretty bad. Five defense in melee is acceptable, fine. How often are you getting that free force push on that tree? I would say not very often. When it works, it slaps. My first time I ever played Barris, I just rolled hot. I got through the entire tree, both attacks she made during that game, and it was amazing. And do I think that skewed my perception of her a little bit? Absolutely. But putting her through her paces a little bit, unless you're playing Vader, which for frame of reference is what my entire lens is through. So yes, I will give you that, that I am looking at it objectively through one path yeah. because I've mostly played it though them together. So yes, I could see. We'll see what she looks like playing her with just pure Republic now. But yeah, I'll give you that. B seems reasonable. Yeah, I, th- that's the only reason. And I'm glad you recognize that as well, because with Vader, yeah, she's an A for sure. But out without Vader, you know, four speed, fine, force push, great. Slip away and Faithful Padawan are all right, but... People forget about Faithful Padawan. I will tell you, guys, it is Barris and the Allied Jedi unit get a two additional dice, right? I forget it myself all the time, and I play Barris a lot, right? And it'll be great when I remember it. And additionally, her recover action, the addition recover for everyone within range three of her, right? She makes the recover action, each other allied within three may remove one damage or condition from themselves. Insane, right? Like, I mean, but I think. Barris's best line of play I'm on is like the fact that she in a high force list that is contingent, right? So like Kevin's talking about with Vader, maybe with Anakin or Dooku, something like that. At worst, she can move, she can force speed, she can force push someone off a point. It's all diceless manipulation of the battlefield, right? That's her worst case scenario, right? And that's really powerful. So she's always gonna have a place in the game, I think, because of that, right? Slip away, yeah. How often does that come up, right? But the force speed, the force push, really awesome. I mean, she does more than Lumi does, right? <laughs> and she's a secondary. Oh, poor Lumi. <laughs> Lumi's just present on the battlefield and she influences the battlefield. But Barris actually is an active player in the battlefield. So I am kind of in between the two of you guys. I would put her like top of B, right? We'll go with that for now. Top I'll of concede, B. I'll concede getting I know Mon's not going to like that. That's why. And I think that'll change no. when we get to some She'll more models. She'll get pushed down for sure. But I think she, in the hands of good player, she is easily top of B. But the problem with her, Mon, is like you kind of alluded to with the with her her cost, with her health, she's very high skill to play her. And if you make one mistake, you're done with her because she is fragile. Man, the fact that you guys are saying top of B is, is driving me nuts. I love it. <laughs> seems like we all made a consensus that she is, in, in fact, in B. And I'll, I'll actively push on the other podcasts that put her in C and D, you know, and I've been saying this for some time. But she's a lot harder to play than a lot of secondaries. She just is. You need reps with her. I agree. I think she's lucky if she's bottom of B. I'm just going to throw that out there. That's fair. Right, we'll move on. That's fair. Let's move on. The next character we have in alphabetical order is Bo-Katan Kreese. Now, I love Bo-Katan. Yep. And I would argue that until Django came out, she was probably the number one. Actually, that's not even true because Django came out the same day she did. Before people figured out how crazy Django was, I would say that Bogotan was in conversation for arguably one of the best secondaries in the game, if not the best secondary in the game. Well, people were fixated on the core as they should have been, right? And she was 
one of the best models in the core. And everybody had come to that conclusion, right? Yes. Now, this is a perfect example of a character that does really well in theme. And I think that can potentially judge on where she's placed, right? Because you can't plug and play her in any list. She excels when she's playing with other Mandalorian units. But when she's not played with Mandalorian units, the efficacy and the efficiency of this unit drops considerably. Now, when she's played with Mandalorians, Pride of Mandalore, so a free ma- a free jump for any Mandalorian character. Global, yeah. Global. Mandalorians are stronger together. As long as she's within two of an allied Mandalorian character, she gets a free focus. Some of us have a higher purpose. Allied Mandalorian characters within three, contesting objectives that are active or protection and steadfast. That's why you play Those her. are all things are Mando-focused. Yep. Individually focused is you get a jetpack, which is great. We love jetpacks. And when and if she makes a focus action, she can dash and recover. Now, that is tied directly to Mandalorians are stronger together because she gets a free focus action when she's near other Mandalorians. She's Mandalore only. Yeah. So I think that's something that you should reference. I'd love to hear y'all's thoughts. Eight stamina, again, I think is low, but it's fine because she does a lot for the Mandos. And she has protection if she's playing the game. I mean, it's situational protection, but it's still, you're probably going to probably going to have it most times i think by that logic it's like she's kind of right right in the middle at least for now she's just b for me because i think that she can push a with pure mandos because i have been steamrolled by them enough times (laughs) to know that all mandos and maul and whoever else you want to throw in there just anybody i think she does a lot with that but i think that's maybe that's where she gets pushed to a i think other than that it's just b i agree And the only reason is because of the fact that when we define the tier list, right, the tier list, it's important to note that the higher ranked units don't care too much about tags and synergy. Or where they're at exactly. You know, it's a plug and play like Django, but she functions well with her synergies and then she's serviceable if she's not. But I don't know anybody that's running Bo-Katan without any Mandalorians. Inversely, people are running Barris without Republic, right? Okay. Kind of guilty of that, but yes. So I'm just saying, I mean, it, it's interesting through that lens. Is it Barris without Republic or is it Barris with Vader? It's Barris with Vader, probably. Or someone who's just got a wild hair to run Barris with Grievous or something randomly. Oh, no. You know, they just want some displacement. All right. Well, CC2224, Clone Commander Cody, a secondary that costs four points. Jesse, you're a big believer in the 212th. What are your thoughts? I'm a huge believer in the 212th. Commander Cody himself, definitely lower on. And I did play him a lot. You guys know this. I talked about it on the podcast. I played him the entire Hello There League 1, and I went all the way in that with Cody. Problem with Cody is he has no action compression. He has no action economy. His ideal plan of, to play is to focus and shoot, right? And to have someone in range 5 to expose. Problem is, is he's got to get to that point where he's dug in doing that. And we know how Shatterpoint, the game's always shifting, the struggle's changing, and Cody can't catch up to everybody else, right? So Cody's a great sniper. Cody actually gives your clones rerolls, which is insane for clones because they really lack efficacy with their guns. But I think Cody is a prime example of someone who's lagged behind in a faction that already lags behind. So I think in all the Republic clones, Cody's towards the bottom. And we already talked about our thoughts of Republic clones being kind of towards the bottom. <laughs> So it's unfortunate, but I think Cody could potentially be our first 
D. Oh, we're re- you're ready to go that low. Okay. I thought you were going to... Well, because I think he meets all of our requirements of D, right? Which is... Uh, he does. I agree with you. I just didn't expect to hear you say it. I'm just taking in this moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm being very realistic here. I think he's fit. It's all of our requirements of D where he's underperforming as a unit normally. He is lacking some abilities that he just doesn't have on his card. And he only works within his tag exclusively. Mm-hmm. It's funny you mentioned the uh, preseason Hello There League and you went all the way with Cody and I went all the way the opposite direction with him because I ran him with Vader and it was just bad. There you go. He just, yeah, it just doesn't do enough of what he needs to. I will say he gives the 212th a lot of legs because they are amazing long range gunners. But the problem is, once again, you have to set up Cody perfectly, set up that bubble. Everyone has to have hunkers. You have to have Kenobi to keep your hunkers. There's layers and layers and layers. It's too conditional. I'd like to throw out that we're also taking a look at these characters through mission one shifting priorities. That's that's true. Because Sabotage Showdown has not released yet. I would love to revisit this conversation in the future, maybe when Mission Pack 2 is officially out, Let's although go, you Cody. can play yeah. Absolutely. it online. And the reason I bring this up is because I do think Commander Cody gets better in Mission 2. Yeah. I can see that. I mean, so does probably in between the back two and... So does probably Aura at the same time, you know? Like these, these yeah. shooty characters with movement or whatever. Cody has no movement, but, you know. Yeah, definitely an interesting thing to reapproach here in a couple months once uh, we've gotten some time in with the new Mission Pack. Kevin, any final thoughts on Cody before we move on? No, no, nothing else for that guy. He can just rot and D for all I care. Okay, man. I mean, he also costs four, right, guys? And let's look at every other character that costs four, right? And poor Cody is just not up to snuff. He's a good sniper if he has a focus. But once again, what's he doing? I'm ready to try him with my premiere format for Republic when we go into this Sabotage showdown. I'm Heck yeah. I'm here for trying it, you know, Give give him his fair shot in the sun. I love it. All right. Well, now we're going to probably shift gears quite strongly and move on to CC7567, also known as Captain Rex, a four-point cost secondary unit. Kevin, you've been singing Rex's praises. We'll start with you. I mean, I love this guy. Like, just matter-of-factly, he is such a great piece, and he is somebody that I have played Again, I probably played him more games than any other character at this point because I've run him with all of my primaries that I'm using as like a linchpin, a lot of Vader, any of my, you know, Republic people. He's just so consistent. I mean, everything from the additional, you know, stamina. So having nine health as opposed to a lot of these eights, that one extra does make a difference. Tactics that move allies are always helpful. Yes, it's Galactic Republic, but I mean, he can move himself. He can move. Anakin, he can move Vader, he can move Mace, he can move Lumi, he can move, you know, some of his, whoever you want, right? Um, on top of the additional movement for himself with defensive maneuver. Um, and then you're probably playing clones with Rex. I can't imagine a scenario where you're not doing that. And so, yeah, having, I'm, you know, if you can remember the trigger for I'm always first kid, there's just so much he can do with out of activation things and influencing the board state, um, providing heals to your team when they're gaining hunkers and stuff like that. If they're clones, it's just, it's, it's good. I mean, and that's not even talking about his combat tree, because I think his expertise tree might be my favorite in the game. I just think it's solid. It's consistent. You really can't go wrong with it. I mean, seven dice and that kind of attack expertise, both melee and ranged, is just immaculate. It's nuts, actually, when you look at his tree. I mean, go the top path and you get two successes, four damage. You go the bottom path and you get two successes, two shoves and two damage. I mean, it's incredible. wild. And he has definitely, I would contribute a lot of my success to Rex and what he's able to accomplish for the team. 
And he's got nine stamina, which is important. And he has nine stamina. So for me, I think Rex checks enough boxes to... He's not busted. He's not Django. He's not S, but he is definitely high A. He's a clone of Django. I mean... So is Cody, but look at Cody's Cody. Poor Cody. It sounds like Rex is a quintessential A. I am in agreement. He has it all, right? And even so much so that he's breaking the barriers of our build we're talking about where Kevin alluded to, where it's like, I'm not even running all Republic, but I'm bringing Rex, right? That's a sign of he's broken the mold where Cody would be have to Cody would have to be in a list with all clones, right? He'd have to to get his most efficacy out of it. So I think it is interesting when you play Rex with Cody because you can move Cody with Rex to sure. give him that sort of maneuverability he may require. For sure. Now we're getting cute. If if Cody just had where he get like focus was built in in some way, right? He he'd be great. He could work. Tack it onto defensive maneuver. It similar to Sabe or, or Handmaidens or something, mm-hmm. you know that sort of thing. So, um, or Queen Amidala, of course. Yeah. So, I think yeah, A for Rex all day. Alrighty, well let's now move on to CT four eleven Commander Pons, the three point cost secondary character that comes with this party's over. This is a fun one. This can be an interesting one because he is our only instance of a three cost secondary in the game, and I think he's priced appropriately and i think unlike maybe aura or cody where they seem like their points are a little bit off i think pawns is right on the money right i should think pawns is like not very flashy he's not very exciting he has no action economy really i mean he has the little dash right which is great to give an ally but he only costs three guys and his deployment the range two for his clones can win games especially people start building boards a little bit more interestingly right some people have been doing that local metas and stuff where they're building boards that are like not exactly where you can deploy exactly between the two points on both sides right i think that's really good for pawns right that's where he excels that's the whole point of the the recon force that he's part of and and the republic right They, they get to the battle early they assess the situation so i actually think pawns is completely fine but he's hard to judge because his point costs right i have one thing i want to push back on with that yes it is great to deploy forward like that. However, I will say if you are not careful and you're just throwing them willy-nilly up the board, you are in range to be shot at by most range five units. So if you Absolutely. don't pull him early enough, I mean, we know Gar can shoot into the lines, but lots of range five guys can get in range and just blast him immediately. And then it's like, well, that's great. Grievous can. Or Grievous. <laughs> that's her. But I think with pawns too, it's like the outside of, you're running him with three characters. It's like if you're not running him with Mace or Anakin or Vader, that that's pretty much the end of the list, right? So he's a bit more situational. He's given you abilities to play more things. I'll phrase it like this. If you weren't restricted by the point cost of a particular primary, I don't think you'd play pawns. Oh, of course not. In addition to that, I think whenever I've put pawns on the table, he's always been the worst activation on my mm-hmm, entire For team. sure. Yep. I get the idea that charge is cool. I like the idea of giving immunity to your clones if they have hunkers and immunity to exposed. Forward scout is cool. I think in certain niche situations, especially as maps evolve, Jesse, I think it's a great point that he can help overcome some of the challenges there. But seven stamina, two health, poor combat tree in my opinion. I mean, in theory, yeah, like four successes, he can do seven damage. Like that's pretty decent. I like that. He's got good expertise though, shockingly, on his attacks. In melee. Yeah. Melee is nuts for him. You know, one crit, one hit. But 
Sure, that pairs well with Vader, but also like you're taking your seven stamina character and dropping him down to five. I actually just don't think Pons does enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he just gets wounded very easily. Oftentimes, I like to keep him in the back because I think he's just giving your opponent a momentum. Yeah, he's a back point setter on his best day. And that's, I think, like you said, you just don't get great activations out of him. I haven't had that experience. Maybe other people have, and that's great for them. But he just, I play him so that I can play Mace is what it comes down to. And that's going to be the nature of the beast, right? With these point spreads, right? Which is hard in a tier list, right? right? Because we're talking about a category that is categorized three to five, right? Range. And most are in the four range. So obviously, Pons is going to be in theory, worse than all the fours and fives, right? Yeah, I guess I'll push back on the fact that he does do a lot for three points. Like, I could have easily seen him having eight stamina and him being tagged as four, and I don't know if anyone would have really questioned it. Maybe give him a little bit more steps on the tree. Like, he does more than Cody in some ways. Exactly. I think he's better than Cody. But Cody hits harder, but Cody has to get to the point where he can hit harder, right? It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. I think Pons is C. I mean, that's just... Maybe you guys want him higher, but no, C seems more than reasonable for him. Yeah, I actually think he's better than Aura, but... I can... will give you that. Okay, cool. Yeah, I can't put Aura down there. There we go. Okay, so now we're going to take a break from our clone secondaries and jump to Gar Saxon, the Merciless Commander, four-point cost Mandalorian unit. Oh, good old Gar. This is similar to our sister and brother conversation. I think it's about to happen right? I think Gar is outstanding, but Django exists in the game, right? And we've had discussion a lot where I think Gar is like above average in a lot of ways. I think he's extremely consistent with his dice he throws, with his range, with his jumps, with his shoves, but Django exists. So where do you guys want to go from there? And he can shoot you in your deployment round one. Django cannot shoot you in deployment and Gar has messed up my clones enough times first activation. I mean, we talked about this in my battle report episode recently, right? My turn report, Gar can put pins on your opponent in their deployment, and especially if they're droids, it is huge. Regardless of what it is, it does not feel good, and it's it's happened to all of us, and I just, man, I like Gar a lot. I like him a lot, too. He's got that nine stamina, which I prefer. Yeah, his defenses are a little less, but then that's countered by the fact that he's got the best Gar armor, which is an extraordinary expertise tree to have and similar to Bo, he has a lot of action economy right because he has the free mm-hmm. focus for mandalorians stronger together and then of course he has sharpshooter too and when he makes a focus action he gets a free hunker and who else has shoves in their expertise tree it's so exciting so i like gar a lot i agree with you i don't know if the comparison is to compare him to Django. i think it's more so a bo katan conversation and if Bo is the better version of him she's in b I think Gar is not far behind. Now, again, pride of Mandalore, Mandalorian ability. Mandalorians are stronger together. Mandalorian ability. Pack Hunter, Mandalorian ability. Sharpshooter uh, via I've Got You in My Sights is quite directly tied in with Mandalorians are stronger together. It's a little bit more agnostic, though. A little bit. He's sharpshooter, ignores cover, and when he focuses, he gains hunker. So this is similar to what you're saying about Bo, where it's like, yeah, She's getting free focuses and triggering all of her recovers, right? But he can work without Mando's, but are you doing it? You're right in that he can. I mean, I could easily see a player saying, all right, I'll jetpack, focus, and then try to blow something up at range attack, right? Which is very cool. Yeah, and I think it's more, too, we, we, we sing the praises of how powerful the all Mando's is all the time, and it's a list we've all played a lot and really enjoy. But I think at the end of the day, 
kind of where we're arriving to this conversation is Gar and Bo can work with just the single Mando support package, right? Like that's mm-hmm. all they need. They just get easier to play when you run double Mando supports, right? Right. Which is much easier to play with Pride of Mandalore, especially, and their access to focus. So I just think Gar gets weirdly slept on in this game. Like weirdly so. He does, but I definitely think he's right behind Bo and B. Mm-hmm. That seems reasonable. Bears continues to get pushed down. I wouldn't be surprised if she gets bumped to C, but we'll see. Mm. We'll see about that. We're, yeah, we, maybe, maybe. All right, so we've done Django. He was next on the list. So let's jump to the separatist agenda. We have the five point cost Kalani, super tactical droid. Now, Kalani is a very interesting character. 10 stamina, two durability, can literally move your entire board. Yeah. If you're playing droids, he takes you to Crit City with his pistol. That pistol is the worst. <laughs> He's got one of the most insane trees in the game. He has the tactical network, which you're paying for every time. It's choose an allied battle droid within four. They can dash, make it a hunker, remove condition itself, or make a five dice attack. You're just, it's action of efficacy. Five dice is in quotations there because five that's dice typically six. Because of target concentrate all firepower, right? Which is absolutely insane. So if Kalani's on the board, and I think a lot of separatist players get this wrong initially, which rightfully so. It's the way it's worded is kind of tough. When an allied battle droid character makes an attack, if the target character is within four of another allied battle droid character, the attacking character adds one dice to its attack roll. So like actually easier than you think, right? It's just as long as other it battle is. droids it's are like, out there, essentially. This B1 is going to shoot you. Oh, that this Magna Guard is also in their face. Cool. A bunch of extra dice, right? And Kalani triggers it on himself as well, right? Because he's allied with himself. So essentially, all the battle droids' dice and all of Kalani's dice when he's on the table are always one more, essentially. Yeah, eight dice crit city with that hand cannon of his. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and he costs one less force, so it's free to reserve. Absolutely. And the tactical network is only three spots down the tree. So with when he's rolling these eight dice like Kevin's alluding to, he's getting the tactical network for free, which is free attacks from his battle droids around him. Obviously, gets better with every battle droid you go up in a tier. So B1s, Magnus, B2s. The damage just goes up. I think complete analysis is definitely good. However, I will just say one counterpoint to that is I don't ever, I've never seen someone pull Kalani first and then be like, yeah, I'm going to reserve him. It's a late game thing. It's definitely a late game thing, especially like he's probably wounded. Do I want to activate him now and risk him getting wounded again? You know, if he's near around a lot of melee characters or do I just wait? He's just, he's a great piece. Like he's essential to separatists. He's essential to picture perfect. A. I don't. I don't, yeah, I, he's he's A. I don't, he's definitely not S because you're not taking him if you're not running droids. Yeah, I already put him at the top of A. I completely okay, agree with you I guys. didn't even have that screen up. He is a monster and he is a, I think we talked about a lot on the show, Amon, where I think I stand by what we've said where it's like, if you're playing droids, you're just as much playing around Kalani as you are your primaries in the droid faction, right? Like you're, you're, you're being yeah. like, I want a Kalani droid list. Oh, I'll grab Duke Cat or I'll grab Duke Grievous, it he feels like he almost feels like he's he he's is the most essential piece, a pseudo primary. Yeah. He is the essential piece when you're running him with that. He's effectively another primary because of what he's doing for your droids. Amazing. I'm very curious to see where they take the battle droid keyword. Like if it ever leaves the separatists, like does it still work with him? You know, because they're all droids. Ooh. It'll be cool. Yeah. Let's move on now, though, to Kraken, the second super tactical droid. Now a four point cost secondary unit. It's hard not to compare. Kraken to Kalani, but they have a lot of similarities. Obviously, the name, but they're both 10 stamina. They're both two durability. Mm-hmm. 
They both have tactical network. They both have complete analysis. And that's the number of times I've gotten their names mixed up because I'm talking too fast. It's just they're very similar. Now, the only difference here is that Kraken is more limited in the way that he can affect the rest of the droids. You can choose this unit or an allied battle droid supporting unit at the beginning of the unit's activation to dash, whereas Kalani gets everybody. But when he's contesting active objectives, he does get protection and steadfast. He also loses that buff up everybody's attacks thing, right? To his credit, though, it is global with Beat that dash for a supporting yes. unit. Do not let them escape is completely global. So Kraken is actually better in the late game. Kalani is better in the early to mid game, right? So interesting. And I think this is where most of our conversation is going to happen. And Kevin, I'd love to get your thoughts. Who do you think is better, Kalani or Kraken? That's a dilemma. I want to inherently, I want to say Kalani. I just solely because I think he gives you such a commanding advantage if you pull him first or you shatter point first and out the gate, all your guys are at the table. I just think he sets up your game for success in a way that Kraken doesn't. However, I think as the game drags on, I prefer Kraken. Like Jesse said, the global tactic ability to dash is really helpful later on in the game. And the fact that he is more durable when he's up there and he can take a punch a little bit better than Kalani can. Um, I think he's just under him. I do think Kalani does take it though. Kraken's better in melee. Kalani's better at range. Their tree's a little bit different. There's, it's interesting, guys. What is your opinion, Jesse? I think Kalani is a hair better because he gives you that early game steamroll, right? And he just keeps it going. He just keeps the pressure on with his activations. You, I think one point in this regard, in my opinion on this, is I think Separatist players, when they're playing Kalani, they Shatterpoint Kalani frequently. I don't think they Shatterpoint Kraken frequently. So maybe, that, maybe that's a way to picture it, where it's like, I think when Kalani goes, everybody moves. He shoots you with eight dice with his crit pistol. He gets a free tactical network, or he tactical networks, right? And he does that twice every round, right? Because he Shatterpoints frequently. So... Kraken is more of a get out of jail. He's kind of a, I, I'm winning a point by myself, right? Which is nice. But the global's more, I don't know, global's more get you out of a bad situation than keep the momentum rolling, right? Now, what's funny is when they're together, they're dynamite. It's insane because you just have all the options, right? But once again, in that scenario, when you have Kraken and Kalani and like, say, your Grievous Dooku list or whatever, you're still shatterpointing with Kalani. You guys are not going to like me for this, but... Oh, please, take it away. First of all, I think it's hilarious that you said Crit Pistol for Kalani. Crit Pistol, that takes you to Crit City. Facts. And shoves everywhere. Yeah. So, despite all the amazing things that Kalani does, I think Kraken is actually better than Kalani. Love to hear this. And this is why. Number one, you made a point about it's Kalani is a very good Shatterpoint target. I would say that is true only in the early game, because you need him to move your droids into position early on. However, not every other list does the same thing. I mean, those lists inherently rely on just a couple synergies or moving one character as one unit. So yes, while that's something special that Kalani enables for the Separatist strategy, I don't necessarily think that it's like the defining factor when comparing the two. I agree that Kalani has an insane tree. I just think Kraken is a better option because... He's four points. And that means that when you're building with separatist lists, it's so much more 
it just fits in so much more snug. I mean, you have Dooku, right? You can never run Kalani with Dooku. You can't. Yeah, sure. But Magnus are three, so I think all this is null and void. Because I think any other primary, you can just Magnus Kalani, right? But why would you ever run Magnus with anyone but Dooku when you're playing Sure, Separatist? yeah. So you can't run Kalani with the Magnus. Magnus going with the Dooku. At that point, Kraken fits in perfectly with Cad. He fits in perfectly with Grievous. He fits perfectly in with Maul. He fits perfectly with Asajj. And you can do so many other cool things with him. I mean, you can just... But you can also just play Dooku, Django, B1s, Grievous, Kalani, Magnus, and it's nuts. Well, Django will always be the better option compared to everyone. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not comparing Django to Kraken. I'm just saying that like you still get Kalani in that list. You still get Magnus in that list, right? You still get Grievous and Dooku in that list. But I also see your point, too. I can see it as well, but I think maybe this is just my own personal bias based on my own experience, because at the end of the day, that's all I can base this off of. Um, I have been on the receiving end of the uh, Kalani freight train of droids, I think, far too many times. So I am just a little scarred. Free attacks on Magnus all the time is just wild, right? Magnus with extra dice if other friends are in range is just, it feels. You still get it with Kraken. You do. You get the free attacks, but you don't get the additional dice. I just think that. Kalani does a lot of movement shenanigans, but all droids do movement shenanigans. So at what yeah, point is sure. it just overkill? I think if you want to win two struggles back to back, Kalani's your guy, right? But if you want to like win two out of three struggles, like Kraken can definitely bring it home. So there's points in both camps. The irony is you can just easily play both in a list and it's nuts. Kraken I would rather have on I guess you have to be a bit more cagey with uh Kalani. Kraken I feel a bit more comfortable just slapping somewhere up in the middle because of that steadfast and protection. Oh, 100%. To Mon's credit, I mean, Kraken like is your way to get to B2s faster, right? Mm-hmm. So like Kalani is so powerful, but in going Kalani route, you might have to give something up, whether it's a primary going up to losing Dooku, making him go up to someone higher, right? And threat costs. Or you have to go like Dooku with B1s. When you choose Kraken, you get the B2s more often. And I've already talked about my thoughts of the B2s on the support section but b2s in the hands of a good player are nuts because they do so much damage and they stay around right so the combination of b2 staying around and kraken staying around actually does matter because the protection really kicks in on both of them Amon, i'll give you this i'm going to give it a little bit more thought for the next like 20 minutes and uh, get back to you because i could possibly be convinced to put him ahead of kalani just because of taking into account that squad point cost so i do see where that it's it's, in, it's interesting they're both really great pieces my gut says Kalani, Rex, Kraken. Oh, no, 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 no. It's definitely either Kalani or Kraken, then Rex. Because Kraken to me feels like the, he feels like Rex. Just a little bit. I think he's a better Rex. Okay. I'm going to do everything in my power to not take that personally, but. I'll think about that too. But they're all in A. It's very clear. They're all great. They're all great units. Kalani is the king. For now, that's fine. Yeah, for now, it's Kalani, Kraken, Rex. As we. Take a look at this list at the end holistically. I'd love to talk about specific micro changes, but I think I'm happy that all those three are in A. All right. This one's going to be a quick one, depending on how long you want to <laughs> chat about this individual, hey. but Obi-Wan Kenobi out of hiding secondary unit 4. My favorite cost. model in the game. Just full stop. Let's just let's start there. He's broken. I'm sorry. He's We're really so happy good. for you, Jesse, but this guy is... Not Django levels good. 
okay. It's debatable. Clo- it's close. It's close. I mean, yes, we've all lost games because of Django's shenanigans, but the number of times that my well-laid plans I have like been brought to ruin I this is one of our by, games, Kevin, you're mentioning, but continue. This is like half of our games. So the mind trick is just so good. It's so good. And it's it, game it, changing. in certain situations, it, it is. And then, you know, we're not going to speak this into existence, but for the people who do run both Django and OB2 in Those the same are list. They exist, yeah. They exist. They exist. <laughs> that we, is me. I'm not one of those yep. people, but same. That is just it's it's a lot. It's it, you want to talk about things that you know alter the state of a game. It's like that. I have had those moments where my entire turn, my entire character activation is effectively shut down because Obi Wan just waved his hand at me and like that was. Well, it. there's Jenga on the other side of the board, right? Is what you're saying, and then it's like, what do you, yeah. what do you do? Do I have an activation? Probably not. He's a little too overtuned. I definitely think Obi Two, as we like to call him, is takes more skill than Jango. For sure. And I don't mean that in terms of any sort of no slight, yeah, yeah, no slight intended to anyone really. It's just he's a very key positioning piece. I think Mando specifically, the jump can help offset poor positioning. Obi Wan doesn't necessarily have the jump. Sure, he has run, but smart Obi Wan players use the run for other characters that are engaged with enemy characters. Not necessarily just Obi-Wan early game, sure. The fact that he's immune to expose, which is like everywhere right now. He's not just immune, but, you know, benefits from it. It's ridiculous. And you have yeah. to do it if you go down the tree, right? You can't say I'm not giving mm-hmm. the Obi-Wan player exposed. You have to go through that spot. Give him yeah. health back. Yeah. But in the same way that Django can turn a game around by not so fasting someone or whip courting them or just moving across the board. Mind trick is one of those abilities that can completely change the course of a game. And now I think a lot of people no longer get caught out by it. However, even the fact that you have to feel like you have to force your opponent to mind trick in some situations just feels bad because not only do I not get to attack my intended target, but also now I have to remove two dice from the attack roll. And if I'm using a melee attack and there's no one else within range, I just lose my attack. Which Done. I have been in plenty of times. Thank you, Jesse. I'm sorry. I think Obi-2 is an S-tier character. I think he's right behind Django. He's very good. If you want to win an event, he's in your And I think list. what you're saying, Amon, is very astute. Where It's like, if you would not practice with him, he's easily A, right? He's very similar to a lot of characters in the game where it's like, he has to be dug in. And if he's not dug in or he's not in the right positions, he's not doing much, right? So you do need to know how to play Shatterpoint really well to play him. Once you know that, now that Mind Trick bubbles online, now you're using the run the correct way, like Amon said, for your allies. There's a lot of layers to it. But I mean, sometimes Obi-Wan is bottom decked, struggle one, and it feels really bad. He feels like a B tier model at best, and you don't know what to do. It's strange, right? Because he can't get to the fight and, and struggle one's over, right? And that's valid, but I still think you guys are, completely valid in saying a combination of mind trick with a solid model easily makes him A or S tier flat out. I think what pushes him in S tier is the fact that he ha- requires no tag synergy. Mm-hmm. Sure. Any sure. list, any tag, any affiliation, any strategy. Oh, I don't know who Smart to Smart on in. AMG's point to not give him any tags. Mm. Like in the sense of like, imagine if he was Republic and Anakin he- could heal him, right? Yeah, I mean, I feel like they could have given him Rebel, that'd have been cool because yeah. maybe 
he's part of the rebellion at this point. The rebellion is kind of is, swing, yeah. at least the early stages, but he doesn't know he's part of it. Alas, <laughs> here we are. And you don't know terror until you know. I mean, then there's the whole issue of him with a model with intercede, which we're not going to get into. But that's just him with a handmaiden or. A Magna Guard, you're just done. Well, it's him and a Magna Guard and then slap Django in there and you've basically got, you know, the workings of a ridiculous Separatist list. I've heard that's a Vader Grievous combination there, so. We don't talk about Vader Grievous, that's too much. But yes, that's that exact combination there with Fifth Brother, I think, to round it out. Because you can just stop the attack entirely without any question. Yeah. With Intercede and Mm -hmm. Mind Trick combination. Because you have to target, you have to target the Magnus or the the model with Intercede. Good rules interaction. Yeah. Silly combination. Absolutely. S tier Kenobi. Yeah, I would challenge the word good for rules interaction, but yeah, it's a rules interaction for <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's a rules enter. It, it exists well, in the game. There it is. Well, let's jump on to another character. We have Padawan Ahsoka Tano, the second Ahsoka in the game. She's a four point cost secondary unit. Let's chat. Kevin, you've talked a lot about Rex. Jesse has claimed that he rather play Ahsoka. So I'm very curious what your discourse is going to look like, but Jesse, we'll let you have the opening swing here. Okay, well, I don't know if I can fight against Rex, but we'll see. A lot of movement for your allies, a lot of movement for Ahsoka, right? So yes, Rex brings you the dash, similar to Ahsoka's with Racia, but the combination of the double jump on Ahsoka is amazing. Similar to adult Ahsoka, she is really good into the ranged meta, which does exist with droids out there, uh, with Deflect and her pretty respectable range expertise and defenses. And on her tree, she has a lot of mobility. So, I mean, Rex is kind of more your workhorse. Ahsoka's more of your spike, right? Where it's like, you can really get places you didn't think on the map. You can you can just take over points by herself. She's kind of like Barris in a lot of ways, right? But she has more vertical mobility, but she doesn't have the force push that Barris has, but she's she's a little bit better solo than Barris. Like she can hold her own by herself more. Interesting. There is no world where she is better than Rex. Rex is a team player yes, true. who lets anyone in the in the Republic dash, not just the primary. So automatic points to Rex. Yes, he can't jump, but he can still get around the board. He can help the team out. I just think he does more for the team overall. And when it comes to Yes, she can jump. She can, she can double triple, jump. Really? I don't attack. know. I yeah. she could triple if she's yeah, if you have a good attack yep. in there, of course. She has to work a little harder for it than Django does. Of course. I think that I rarely find myself in a situation where I have the force or want to spend two force to double jump with her. I don't know who you are running her with to where maybe that is five I've typically run her with Plo. Definitely Plo. Plo and I don't, whichever thing and but even then, it's like I find myself rarely using it because I'd rather just be using that force for plow to force push something. Well, the theme is right. Yeah, I think she's. I think I, her and Rex work really well together, right? Exactly. So that, I, yeah, I agree with. I just think that Rex does more for the team overall than Ahsoka, and also I keep forgetting about getting ahead of yourself. Snips. It's pretty cool. Hmm. So I forget to use that. So I'll. I'll it's another give you jump that. and another five um, attack. But it's also yeah, it's a little harder to engineer and. I feel like it doesn't always that opportunity doesn't always present itself, but it is useful. If we're looking at like Republic, if like if you're going into a premiere format and you're tr- you're playing pure Republic, I mean she's second choice, right? I'm taking Rex first, I'm taking Ahsoka second, and then I'm taking Barris third, and then we'll figure out who that last person That's is. Pretty so. high praise, though, to be honest. 
just with that, Kevin, I think if you're taking Rex first, Ahsoka second, Barris third, then we already know where Ahsoka sits. She's in B tier above Barris. Yes. I'm I'm not even gonna fault that. I think that I just I think I've gotten to the stage with this game where I just value the tactics that give additional movement to your allies because it gives you so much more flexibility than maybe Barris's four speed. That's just my opinion, but I, I, I think that tactic is superb. Yeah, and I think Ahsoka having a similar thing to Rex, but obviously not as good. The uh, the dash for a primary Republic or Jedi is really good. And I think it's something that like Anakin needs, right? Where it's like, if you're playing an Anakin list and you have Rex and Ahsoka, you're kind of enabling Anakin. It feels right? good. Like every... Yeah, yeah it, it feels, feels really good. good. And the theme is right. But I think the coolest part of Ahsoka is these nuances where it's like similar to primary Ahsoka, where it's like a lot of her play patterns are not on her card because they are like in her defensive expertise or her getting ahead of yourself against snips where it's like oh she did five dice attack outside of her activation and she shoved and jumped two spots in her tree right and mm-hmm. for some reason now the i'm easily winning that point right with a clone who's just attacking someone because soka jumped in the fight too so once again i think somewhere to barris she's kind of hard to play but that's a good thing i think i think ahsoka is a great unit. I definitely think she requires more work than Rex. I definitely think that Rex is a better unit. And I think for all those reasons, I think we're happy to put her in the B tier. Where she sits in that B tier, I still think Gar and Bo are probably higher than Ahsoka. I'm open to having that conversation now before we move on, but... I think Gar and Bo do more for the units that they're trying to be paired with than she does for Galactic Republic. She helps them, but hers is a bit more specific and not as... I don't know whatever word you want to use here. I think she's below the Mandalorians for sure. Probably true. It's also like one of those things where it's like, what's the skill level of the Gar player and the Soka players, right? Like it's such a it's such a like toss up thing because there's so many nuances. Yeah, to it's, both it's just characters. It's hard when you when you you say things like that because it's like in the same vein. I feel like if the number one Shadowpoint player in the world was playing Aura and they were playing a average or middling Shadowpoint character with Django and Obi the aura guy would probably still win, right? It's like, uh, skill skill is so hard when identifying these characters. I guess what would be really helpful, and the way that I like to look at things is like, what if everything is equal skill? Then where do we sit on the tier? And so like, let's say, I ask, and I ask you this, Jesse, like if the Gar player and the Bow player and the Barris player and the Ahsoka player are all playing at the exact same skill level, where, like what order would you rank those for? Probably put Barris higher. You lost me already. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Do you guys get what I'm saying? Where it's like, if they're all similar skill level, I don't know, but the irony of that statement and thought process that Amon's bringing forward is Kalani, Kraken, and Rex are all so much easier play patterns and consistent, right? And Bo, Gar, Ahsoka, and Barris all have these like play pattern spikes, right? That like either propel them to that A tier or just keep them in B, right? So maybe that's part of it too. If they're so much easier to play, can one of those reasons be because they're just stronger characters, stronger units? Well, they're more consistent. So yeah, they're stronger, but they're also just more consistent. Like Kalani and Kraken, for instance, are going to get to their tactical network so much more readily and quickly than Barris or Ahsoka will get to their like cool jumps and force pushes and stuff. That's just true. But I think the fact that they can get to that easier is the reason why they're better. Sure. But I also think they're just easier to play. Like, I think Kalani and Kraken have a certain play pattern that is very consistent, easy to execute. And I think Ahsoka and Barris in particular 
if we're looking, really looking at them through this lens, you have harder questions to ask yourself before you make your decisions on what two actions you're taking. And I'm sure Kevin would agree with that too, with playing a lot of Barris, where it's like, Sometimes with Barris, okay, what is the most likely out and which path is like most straightforward? And I don't know the answer at any given time, right? I think, Iman, to your point with uh, your example you're giving there, we're looking at two players with equal skill, maybe just picking up the game and it's Mandos versus, you know, the two Padawans. I think the Mandos have the edge. I think that they are just easier to use. They're inherently, there's more synergy there. And so, yes, by that measure, I think that the order that they're currently listed in here on the screen is probably accurate. I think that maybe that ceiling's a little bit higher when it comes to Barris because she does have those playmaking potentials. But yeah, in a vacuum, I think the way it's listed right here is is perfectly reasonable. I appreciate you you guys sharing your thoughts on that. I think like the only reason I I'm pushing back a little bit on what you're saying specifically, Jesse, is like from a fundamental perspective. Yes, I think if someone's played a thousand games with Barris. I'm sure they'll find really cool, unique ways to win a game. I think that goes against the point of the tier list. Like, I think there's any example we can make or give, or if any person has put in an insane amount of reps or understands a character or the game at a certain level, that they can make almost anything work. I, I don't know. I'm trying to not get attached to the characters because, like, I love Barris just as, I mean, maybe not as much as you clearly, guys, clearly. Very clear. But, <laughs> but at the same time... I'm trying to push her down into C, but... I mean, I think she's great. I've, I, you know, I wouldn't be, I mean, if you go back to some of those previous episodes, like I said, great things about Barris. I think think she's awesome. The design is there too. And the characters, right. Where it's like the spikes are more apparent and the Padawans. That's okay. Because they're obviously, as you guys are saying, blanket further down the stats. Right. So they should have big spikes in the hands of a good player. Right. In theory. But you're using the phrase good player. I am. And like, again, I, I feel like for this list, it's the same player. Like if Jesse, you're playing all of these characters mm-hmm. on this list, I think you would have a higher win rate with Kalani, Kraken, and Rex over Bo, Gar, Ahsoka, and Barris. I also think you would have a higher win rate with Bo and Gar over Ahsoka and Barris as Jesse, the fourth ranked best Shatterpoint player in the world right now sure. on Longshanks. That might be true, but I'm still playing a lot of Ahsoka so at this moment over all these other characters. So I don't know. Maybe I'm making the wrong decision is what you're saying, Amon. I'm not saying you're making the wrong decision. I think you're looking at it not as objectively. Okay. I appreciate this discourse. All I said that Amon's having disagreement with is that if a player can see an out or like a window with Barris and they can take it, they could take the game back in their hands over someone who's just going to have like Gar. That's all I'm saying. So again, I think for me, like that same player could also find an out with Gar. For sure. I mean, any situation can happen. And we have dice in our games too, which is completely arbitrary, right? <laughs> like dice are going to dice. What I find interesting about the Padawans, and I'll, I'll leave it here because I don't think it's a plus or minus in either of our camps. What I find interesting about the Padawans is they have a lot of tools and they have a lot of abilities that are fringe sometimes. We just talked about Ahsoka's ability that doesn't come up very often, right? Which is her getting ahead of yourself snips. And we have Barris's slip away, stuff like that. Those, when they matter, they really matter, right? But they're not a play pattern you want with these characters. They're not like what you're thinking about at the front of your mind. Similar to Rex with his getting ahead of yourself kid stuff, right? Where it's like, you're not thinking about that with Rex. When it happens, I'll agree with you guys where it's like, Bo is clearly blanket, easier, stronger, better than the Padawans, right? But all I was bringing to the table was uh, variability and uh, more abilities on these characters and ways to like 
swing the game, especially in struggles two and three in a unique way per the player. But I, I guess I'm just failing to see that perspective. And I think mm-hmm. that's okay. And I think that's why it makes us two different sure. players with two different takes, right? Uh, I've yet to play Django, right? So let's make that very clear. Maybe I should. He's consistent. Yeah, but I guess I just, yeah, sure. I, I, I just it. like my response to that would be like, I don't think you need to play Django to see that he's broken. Very true. Like, I'm not saying that you can't win with Barris, but like when we put Barris and B or we put, I mean, I lost to Pons. Like Kevin beat me with Pons, right? Like I'm not saying <laughs> that, that Pons sucks. I'm the just saying that. The 501st were there too. Thank you. Love it. Yes. Like the worst supporting unit in the game, right? It's not about just because we put a character in C doesn't mean that it's a bad mm-hmm. character mm-hmm. or, you know, or, or it's just when you compare them to everyone else in that. I'm not fighting for that. I'm not fighting for the rank. I'm we're, we're all in B. I agree with that. I don't even know what we're arguing about anymore, but it's, it's fine. Let's move on. Okay. Next character, Sabe, Royal Bodyguard, four point cost. This one's tough. It is tough. I agree. Now, Kevin, you mentioned earlier that you would go Rex, Ahsoka, Barris. With Sabe in the mix, does that list change? If I'm looking at just pure Republic, I feel like my hands are tied here because my options are Cody, which we're not getting into, is not an option, right? But it will be. I'm going to give him a try. That's not fair. That's not fair because I am going to start giving yeah. that guy a try. But I feel like Sabe, she, I haven't used her personally. I don't personally have a desire to. I've seen her used effectively. I just think that outside of taking her with just the box she comes in, Handmaidens, Padme, I don't know that she necessarily fits anywhere else with the Republic. And I'd probably take pawns before her, if I'm being honest with you. Like that would be the fourth person, because I'm probably taking Mace. You know, I just don't feel like she has a spot outside of being glued to Padme. And I don't want to play Padme. That's just that's just my own okay. preference. Well Jesse, you've played a lot of Padme. I see Kevin's perspective in in not wanting to play Padme and, and feeling that Sabe's tied to her. And and she really is, right? Fully. With loyal protectors. Yeah. Uh, specific, specifically being such a strong force multiplier for the action compression that the Handmaidens can bring. Do you think she has a hard time playing with other Republic primaries? Yeah, I think so. And we talked about this in our main feed here on the show where I, I'm almost talking about how strong she was as a secondary. And I agree, she's got a good kit, but I don't think you ever play her outside of the Padme box. She has a good kit with her box mates that that's it. So she's one of our unique situations where coming up where it's like she's strong, as Kevin's saying and I'm saying, but she's typecast with her group. So that would merely put her B or lower per our ranking system, right? Because she's she's tied to her tags and her teammates and her playstyle. Keep in mind, with Padme, with handmaidens, it just works, right? It just works. So don't get me wrong there, but I think that needs to be taken in to consideration and that definitely can be i still i don't think there's a world where i'm taking her before i'm taking barris or no. ahsoka and republic i think yeah and republic no and then outside of that i'm not putting her in with anyone out of faction the same way that i might you know drop barris and then i've seen barris used with various different people i mean i've done it with grand inquisitor i've seen her thrown in with Duke. for sure i think she does a little bit more so by the nature of that i think that sabi's easily just see where she falls and see that can be debated but i don't think she's higher than that so i guess sticking to character and theme here i completely disagree with both of you i think yes loyal protectors is 
very tied to the handmaidens. But I think you remove that from the picture. And what this character can do is that whenever you make an attack, she gets a free dash, right? So before dice are rolled, if she gets range dash. Five, then if that's that the character part. Yeah, but you know, range five is yeah, pretty big. Sure. Uh as and that I think is is quite relevant. That gives her maneuverability on a scale in which, you know, in theory she could be just as maneuverable as Aura, if not more. Bodyguard for allied primary characters within range two and allied secondary characters within range two is is pretty nice. I mean, cover one is awesome. And exposed flank, I mean the fact that she can get a free climb action and still be able to move around the board. She has nine stamina, two health. I think she's actually a really good Republic unit, a secondary character. And I would place her maybe top of B, bottom of A, because in my opinion, you can play her with Vader, you can play her with Obi-Wan, you can play her with whomever, and she's going to pull her weight, she's going to be impactful on the board, she helps keep your characters alive, and she can win points. And her expertise and her defenses, they're really not that bad, and she's got a pretty sick tree as well, so I understand that I'm in the minority here, and she probably won't be in A. I mean, I appreciate your points. Like, that's that's some good conversation topics right there. We don't have to agree on every opinion here. Of course. Uh, so it is good to hear this other perspective. To the points that you said, I think bodyguard, yeah, that's cool. But I think, and maybe this is just right now, with the predominant focus with the meta being on melee combat and getting engaged, it's like you're not really benefiting from that point when when you're in the thick of it. Exposed flank. Sure, yes, climbing out is great, but if you're getting engaged on, then, I mean, that's, it's less relevant then. Coordinated assault, yes, dashing around is great. Every time a Galactic Republic attacks, like, that's huge. And it's easy enough to stay in range five. So, like, that is, that is awesome. She's got nine stamina, which I love. Fantastic. But she just goes down fast. And then when she does, like, I'm not paying for that coordinated assault for her to be able to dash around. Outside of her expertise tree, I just, I don't feel like she pulls her weight, at least in what I have experienced playing against her. Yes, I haven't used her. Yes, I plan to give her her fair shot. But with my assessment of her now, I just, I cannot see her being an A or ahead of, you know, some of these people in B. Well, you said that she dies very easily. I mean, if you compare her directly to Barris, I think she's more defensive than Barris. Sure. Yes. Yes. She has more health and her defenses aren't quite as terrible as uh, Barris's are. I just, just something about her. It just doesn't, I don't have, how do I say this? I just don't see a world where like I'm taking her in light of the other options that we have right now outside of with Padme. Like I just can't imagine running her with, honestly, I'm motivated to try it. I'm motivated based on what you have said to give it a shot and maybe I'll drop her in with a different primary that's not Padme and see how she functions. Um, but as it stands right now, based on my experience against her, I just don't. I just don't see her in A. There's I played no her a way. lot. Her defensive expertise is really bad, straight up. Especially compared to like Padawan Ahsoka and stuff. And that's the problem. We're in a melee meta, and she can't survive close combat. She's got great range, as Amon's mentioning. Seven dice, pretty good expertise on her pistol. But once she gets engaged, she has trouble. So, I don't know. It 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 is a weird spot to be in. Climb is great with her exposed flank. It's awesome. Bodyguard's awesome too. But outside of that, that's like her main role after the lawyer protectors, I think. Okay. Fair enough. Where do you guys think we should place Sabe? Go ahead, Kevin. 
I think because of Amon's points, I might be swayed out of keeping her out of C, but then she is at the she is at the tail end of B on her best day. I just I don't I don't put her above Barris or or any of the others that are there. Um, and again, I'm, that's something where it's like I'm open to changing that with giving her a proper chance for me to utilize myself. Because again, I can only base this off of my experience and what I've played against her because I have not tried her yet. It's just in the games I've seen her operate, it feels like she does okay things. It just it doesn't really pull its full weight. So I'd be fine with B, but the very bottom. And I would say we don't have to place her in B. Like I will see to the point that Jesse is the most experienced with her on the show. So I'm happy to follow y'all's lead, uh, specifically Jesse's actually, because he's played the most. But I think bottom of B is strong, safe, and consistent. Because when you put her in bottom of B, we're considering we're playing her with Padme, right? I think that's that might just keep her out of, because she is really good with Padme. It's just, again, outside of it, I, I don't know. I don't have that experience yet, but you do. So fortunately, we have a an expert on the subject. Yeah, the problem is, is like, uh, what does she bring to our non-Padme groups, right? She brings bodyguard, coordinated assault, I guess, and she can climb by herself, right? Well, her model looks well, of awesome course. The table, I mean, the, pist- so the pistol's behind got that back. going for them. It's hidden, you know? But I think Ahsoka and... Ahsoka's easier plug and play because she gives you ratio to your Galactic Republic primaries, right? And Barris is kind of this like standalone, as Kevin said, influence like two points potentially, right? So... I think Sabe is more of a gotta have her with the handmaidens. Gotta have her. So does that bump her down to C? I think she's in B for now, but we'll see how C shapes out and we'll see if that makes her there. Okay. So I'll I'll concede Kevin's point. Bottom of V makes a lot of sense. Roger that. All right. Well, we've got two more units left, and these are either gonna go really quick or really long, depending Let's on how be we nice feel. To these units. Let's be a little bit nice. Okay. Red we'll Sabers. Nice. Of course. It's you guys it's you guys' brand. All righty. Savage Opress, a four-point cost secondary Dathomirian Separatist This is the interesting unit. conversation, I think. It can be. Ten stamina, two durability. No shoves on the tree. Damage Kevin. City. Damage City, Condition City, great. Primary level damage. Knock people out. Primary level damage, especially fighting primaries. However, no shoves on a guy that strong and physically imposing is just they made a, a crime. Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, he does great damage. That's cool. I think I rate Savage higher than a majority of people that I've talked to about him. I I value that stamina and that always present, not conditional, steadfast protection. I think that's valuable. I think he can go stand somewhere, hold a point down for you. And if a primary comes near him and doesn't take him out, he's got a good shot at doing considerable damage to them. Bonus points if they're a force user. Because maybe you do just pay the two force, you roll some dice, possibly expose them, chip them down a little, and then finish them off with an attack. I think I love it has exposed. I think he's a good Fury. model. I love that part. Yes, conditional on damage and conditional on being a force user, but still that's a majority of the primaries in this game right now are force users. Math are in your favor when you roll five dice to deal one damage. Hundred percent. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of dice in primaries for sure. I mean, you're rolling nine dice, right, into a primary without Vader identity. Vader identity, he gets higher. <laughs> that's just another level. That's that feels like overkill at that point because I don't think that's that's needed, especially if you've exposed you just them get your tree. You just do nine it. dice. Yeah, nine dice is not terrible for what five. Yeah, five successes or four. If you're just getting the damage, then just four successes for eight damage is 
a lot. Especially because Dark Fury deals damage already. Right. I'm sorry, nine damage if you get nine damage expertise. blanket and then Dark Fury on top of that. So you could just like kill a primary in the Vader list, but that's a whole other thing. I've had Savage one shot my Vader before. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Definitely <laughs> been in that situation. He's a good unit. And I think that, yeah, the four defense is low, but when you take into account how much health he has and steadfast and protection. And then I do, I do love the jump too into that expertise for defense. It's irritating. If you can't pin him down, sometimes I just don't want to attack him. If I've shoved him off a point, I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to shoot you because knowing my luck, you're going to get that too. You're going to hop onto that point. And then I just, what did I gain out? So he's a good unit. Dash is shockingly good, right? Because that with Mother Talzin, you can do fun stuff where you're like, if you're playing him with yeah with the, with the units that he synergizes with before he's even gone yet stuff like that, he's surprisingly mobile, especially with yep. unwitting brute. Yep, yep, yep. Mm. It's interesting though because it incentivizes you to play him with separatists or Talzin. That's true, or Talzin, which makes sense. Boxmate. I think outside of that though, I don't know if we really see him much with separatists. I mean, I guess people play him a lot with Talzin and Maul. I ran him for a while as the Grand Inquisitor's secondary, and I didn't hate that with Vader. The thing is, is I think he's great with Vader. I think Vader, Talzin, he's not list, right? Yeah, it's, it's good. Pretty damn good. He's killing stuff for sure. Outside of that, do we think he's pulling his weight on the board? Well, the no, no, he has no displacement, and displacement is an integral part yeah. of this game. I mean, he can displace you by wounding you, but that's that's different. yeah. I think you have to compare him to like Kraken or something because in the Dooku lists, he gets the free dash for Dooku, right? Being separatist and all that, and you're giving up Kraken's movement stuff, but you're getting a quasi third primary, right? It's it's a playstyle mm-hmm. thing for sure. And Kevin and I have talked about a lot about this off mic with Savage in particular because he is so nuanced and he is so strange where it's like he is like this additional primary list but in doing that you lose out on another secondary right so it's a trade-off for sure and his whole goal too is like fighting or hunting primaries which is pretty tough to do sometimes because they might avoid him i mean he does have five different primaries he synergizes with sorry vader would be a sixth but in terms of the ones that he can use utilize from it's a good amount of people and they're, they're popular characters they're strong characters yeah yeah, I wouldn't like hate it if I saw like Dooku Grievous Savage. I think no, that would be not. quite potent. Yeah, him with Dooku is, I mean, I've used it a couple times and I think it's good. I, this is the thing. When it comes to Savage, I would, with the, with the primaries he synergizes with and the people he wants to play with, I think he's A. That's just my thought on him. I think he's durable. I think he does a lot of damage. The no displacement, yeah, it's a little rough, but if you have other tools in your roster to work around that, it's okay. I think side of that, just kind of throwing him into the void, he's probably just middle of B. Go ahead, Amon. How do you want to go? I think Savage is C. And I think Savage is C because he's very one-dimensional. He's predictable. Bad dice can ruin his game. He has no displacement. He wants to be played with specific characters. I don't think Vader counts because everyone's good with Vader for the most part. So I think there's limited in terms of list building. I think there's limited application in terms of what he's doing on the table. He's not impacting the game like Kraken, Kalani, or Rex. He's not even impacting the game the same way that Bo and Gar are impacting the board, especially within their synergistic strategies. I could see him in B. I think it would be bottom of B, but I think 
he's a one trick pony and he doesn't really do much else except try to murder stuff. And even then, I've seen him do nothing because his dice just didn't work out. Those would be my thoughts. Jesse? Bottom of B. I could see top of C what I'm on saying if he, if he doesn't hit his dice, but he usually does. Because, I mean, one expertise, he gets a crit and, a, and an auto damage. And if it's primary, he's That's getting fair. two additional dice. And as Kevin was alluding to, if you get the Dark Fury for free or you do it early, it, it's funny because we sang the praises of Fifth Brother. And in some ways, yeah, Savage is a more one-dimensional Fifth Brother, but he's a more consistent Fifth Brother in some ways. Because he's got consistent movement with his unwitting brute. He's got protection steadfast. He's got, you know, his little dash Fifth Brother doesn't have. What's what's sick about the Furious Rush is it's a dash. When he's injured, it's a full movement, right? Our conversation earlier is very, it's really hitting me again, because he's one of those characters where it's like, he feels similar to Barris, right? Where it's like, is someone practiced with this character? Okay, they are. Okay, we're, we're having a different conversation, right? Are they not practiced with him? Okay, we're having a different conversation. Are they midline with him? Okay, that's another, another conversation, right? So I think he's really rewarding mm-hmm. to the player that wants to put time in with him because he is a quasi third primary. That's a little bit neutered, right? Which is completely powerful to have. But third primary in terms of what? They don't mean to interrupt you, but like in terms of just damage output? Damage output and controlling points, which primaries love to do, right? Got it. So like sometimes Savage will do more than Dooku, right? We've seen games where Dooku doesn't get quite where he needs to be and the struggle already flips, right? And he can't make it to the second struggle, right? But Savage can. And I don't know. It's I think he's really rewarding if you love the character because at the end of the day... He's a 10 stamina secondary with protection and steadfast, right? And that's his worst day. And I think that's where I'm rating him so highly is the damage output is good, but that tankiness, at least in my experience, has done exceptionally well. And on his best day, he's that plus he's actually killing you, right? So he's tough because you absolutely have to put time in with him because if you don't put time with him, he's not going to perform. So I completely agree with him on there too. So I think he's a perfect BC range candidate for sure. Minimum. Now, Kevin, you placed him higher on an experienced player. You said he might be bottom of A. Now, less experienced player, would you put him at the level of Barris? If we're talking in that regard, I think I will concede he is B. If we're talking in front of or behind Barris, I think he's in front of her. I think he's a little bit easier to utilize at the very least, like for a newer player or somebody less experienced, whatever you want to call it. I think on his worst day, like you said, if he is, if he's your first activation of the game, it's not great, but I've had it happen enough times. And so I'm happy to have him go walk up to that midpoint, you know, take cover and then just park himself there until he's needed somewhere else, you know, a little bit later on in the game. And so I think he's just, the survivability, I just, I rate that very highly, you know, maybe higher than I should be. And maybe that's not the correct opinion to have, but at least in my experience, I just, I value that 10 health, 10 health and that protection. I just think it's incredible. And steadfast, right? It's not conditional, like you said. So I don't know that I can go down to C with him, but I could be, you know, swayed to. We don't have to sway one another. I think like two B's and a C. Probably what if he was between Paddle right? and Ahsoka and Barris? If we're looking at this again from the standpoint of we're taking skill out of it, we're taking whatever, maybe you're jumping into Shatterpoint. No, the way that I want you guys to be looking at this list, right, is if you are a expert at Shatterpoint, yeah. 
where are you putting all these characters? It's not jumping in. It's not no skill. It's none of that. I've, I've said it many times now. If you're a perfect Shatterpoint player, where are you putting these characters? Because there has to be a stack rank, right? Like Django and Obi-Wan are obviously the two best. Whether you're a perfect player or a noob, they're just the best. In every situation, there'll always be the best choice. Maybe outside of niche situations where like, okay, I'm playing Separatist, so I need Kalani or Kraken. Yeah. Right? I, and that would I would be o- better than Obi in that list, right? It, yeah, and and that's the and that's where maybe Obi could drop to top of A. I'm you know I'm, I'm sure. open to that. Ahead of Sabe, behind Barris is where I would put it then in that context. Okay. I like that. All right, last and maybe the least. Oh man, yep. That sister, four point character. Let me just start with. I loved this character in the show. I know she got a lot of strong opinions. But yeah, I enjoy cool her. Arc, for sure. Rushed, but cool. Yeah, ru- that's rushed, but cool. I think the actress did a fantastic job with what she was given in our limited six-episode run. But this character in the game is not good. She is... <laughs> yep, yep. She is the other end of the sandwich to Django. It's just... There's not even a question. There's not a debate. I actually think this is quite a fascinating conversation. I think we all know that she's going to be a D-tier character. Is she better than Cody? And I think the answer might be yes. Okay, because of Call of the Hunt, I think Vader Call of the Hunt or is Fifth great. Brother could make a free dash and five dash stack. It's an only an allied Inquisitor supporting character, so, so it has to be supporting. So Fifth Brother, so brother, or sister. But getting them to move up the board, five dice attack. She gets a jump. She Cody has, has no movement except defensive maneuver. Fear betrays you's okay, and no, I will never use your fear betrays you because I would rather have those conditions than have her throw fourteen dice for. Seven damage, eight damage if she caps out. Eight damage, yeah. Yeah, eight. Da- I'd rather not kill you and keep those conditions on you because that's probably going to do more for me in the long run. I still think she's better than Cody. Like, I think about putting Reva in lists from time to time. I never think about Cody. With Inquisitors, sure. With Vader, Inquisitors, yes. She's, I like her. That's the only place I played her. I don't, I don't want to play her anywhere else. I think Cody, I'd be willing to... Now that I have more experience with the game, give him another shot and, you know, maybe put him with some people that can help move him up a little bit. I don't know. That's a tough one. Cody can build nine. He gets Thirst Tree, ironically. Cody may not be great, but he could still, I think he just fits more places than she. She is limited to, you're only running her with Inquisitors and probably with Which is perfect for our tier where it's like, she's only a niche spot, right? And that's her spot. And what's also really rough for Reva is she doesn't have inquisitorial mandate. And I get it. She's a, she's a one shocking. character model, which all supports are, which all secondaries are. But give her that, right? Like give her the theme of or the other inquisitorious people. Yeah, I mean, I just think Reva is more flexible into other lists than Cody. Like Cody is like only Republic. And then we've seen here that every other secondary Republic character, which is four of them, are better than Cody. He's like so only in theory, a if you made a Republic, you like him. It's not, yeah, but like, if you made a Republic premiere list today, based off this list, you go Rex, Ahsoka, Barris, Sabe, or Pons. You just stop. Yeah, that's like, five. There's models. no point yeah. in picking Cody. There's five better options. Whereas I think Riva can fit in more lists potentially question mark she has shoves she has shoves that's the one thing i think she's going she, three, three shoves, shoves is awesome. Is awesome. and a jump I, yeah. I won't deny that 
Four shoves. Three shoves. No, three shoves, shoves yeah. yeah. And her, her expertise on her saber is sick. That's true. Oh, yeah. I think just because of the value of shoves, uh, Cody's got two, four in his tree. She's got three. That alone, I'd be willing to push her ahead of him just because I do think yep. shoving is amazing. Yeah, I I arguably, I, I, I think it's very hard to like justify anyone being worse than Cody. He's so bad. Well, and I think, yeah. as you said, Kevin, we see people play Reva, right? You know what? You got me there. I can't tell you the last time I saw Cody. Inquisitorious play. actually works with Reva. Like, if you want to go all Inquisitorious, you can, especially with the Stormtrooper Sergeant coming very soon, right? But Cody, Before as Mon's saying, Cody's like, you have to just love Cody and the 212, which people don't. People barely play the 212 as it is. So it's a bummer. It is, but that's just. That's just what it is. And, you know, Reva can do eight damage on her tree, you know, five spots in, not crazy, with some shoves. Okay. Wow. Poor Cody. So, Cody, we locking it in, bottom of the That's list? That's fine. Yep. All righty. So, let's take a list at this holistically now, because I think this is where we can maybe have some more conversation about maybe adjusting things here and there, but let's go tier by tier, and we'll start from the top. S tier, Django, followed by Obi-Wan. And no one's touching here? Django. He could, he could be top, be of, top a. of A. He could be. And I'm not I, mad I, at that, to be honest. I'm. He could be top of A. And I think he is, lives in that weird I'm space. I'm kind of into that because I think we're putting Obi-Wan an S by a metric that Amon doesn't deem for this, which is the super experienced player. I think the average like baseline player across the board, Obi-Wan would be top of A. Would he not? Because once again, if he's bottom decked, struggle one. He doesn't get into the fight. You're in a tough spot. But that's how I lost my game against Morgan. And I wouldn't say that I'm a low skill player. I just never. Sometimes order deck giveth, order deck taketh, right? Like that's okay, also sure. But point. we'll flip that on his head. If Django is the bottom of your deck, how much better would that have been than Obi Wan? But that's because Django has diceless displacement. Obi Wan doesn't and movement and all kinds of stuff. But what I'm saying is I think Obi Wan has to get locked in early, and that's a big part of his play, I, I, which I think easily makes him A plus, S tier minus. Right? I'm not saying it's like we're splitting hairs here, right? But yeah, yeah. But, but that's but what's here's fun. here's what's funny. Let's I don't think we're hairs. splitting hairs with Django. I think Django's S plus. I think Django's no. S plus. No, Django is number one. He's, he's pushing whatever's past S, but. So I think they could easily make Obi-Wan A+, plus easily. So Django, we're moving on. He's we're not, no, touching, he's not yeah. touching. The conversation now becomes, does Obi-Wan stay in S tier or not? And so this is how we're going to do it. I'm going to say yes. Jesse, S tier or A tier? A+, plus. top of A top of A. Kevin, you're the deciding vote. I love it. No pressure, but I got to go with S. I think he's just, just good enough to be there. Just barely makes a cut. Yeah. Okay. All right, so now we're in the A tier, right? So let's talk about this tier. We have Kalani, Kraken, and Rex. Now, let's start with any of these characters do you guys feel should not be an A? No. No. Okay. Are we happy with Kalani being the best A in the game, in terms of our opinion? Personal bias aside, yes, I'm okay with it. All right, Kraken, number two, or Rex? Kevin, you get to go first now. Personal bias is coming back to the forefront here. I think Rex is ahead of him. So Kraken, fantastic piece. Great. We've talked about this endlessly with him and the droids. I think Rex has a few more things that he works with that Kraken is limited to droids. Rex has the entire Galactic Republic. Clones, Handmaidens, Jedi, Padawan, yep. whatever you want to call Vader. it. Vader. 
<laughs> Vader. That's a that's a separate issue. I I think he does a little bit more as a just a touch more well rounded. Okay, so you are in the opinion that Rex should be second. I think yes, Kraken should be second. Jesse, you're the tiebreaker. It's Rex second. All righty. So now we are in the B tier, which I actually think this tier is a bit too large. But hey, no, that's good for the chilling. game. That's where we want models. We want models and yeah. B. All right. Any minis or units, rather, Kevin, that you think should not be in this tier? Let's and let's not hurt any feelings. Like just say right. whatever you mm-hmm. need to say. Sabe needs to go down one. Okay. Any anyone else? Well, because we're gonna go one by one. Just who right. who do you think needs to be not in this tier? I know we want people in this tier. I think it's a touch too big. I think Sabe goes down one, and oh God, it kills me. But I think Savage could go top of C. And I'd be cool. I would be content with the Padawans and the Mandalorians. I'd be Jesse. Do you think any characters that can be the same ones that Kevin has chosen do not deserve to be in B? This is tough. This is really tough. I kind of agree with Kevin wholly, but at the same time, I could totally see like Sabe and Savage are good. They're good kits. They they just are. Mm. And a player that plays these characters without missing triggers is B. They just are. If you love Sabe or Savage, fight for them because they're great. But they are easily worse than these four models ahead of them. And I'm going to say they're going to either stay where they're at or going to be barely pushed down. The question is, is per metric of the, the game, of the developers and like where models should be and be, right? As a, as a pure game state mode. Do we think Sabe and Savage should be baseline and B? And I would say, yeah, if they're at the bottom. Okay. So you're saying don't move them. Okay. I'm saying move Sabe for sure. Is just Sabe or you mentioned Savage. I wasn't sure. I'm so torn on him. It's it's again because I'm trying to like look at this holistically and not just through. The irony is they both have like the dash yep. guaranteed, right? Uh, there's a lot of like layers here. Nope. I'm, I got to no. Nope. Jesse, you said it. You got to fight for what you uh, are standing up here for. So Savage is staying in B for me and Sabe is going down to C. All right. I am the exact opposite of Kevin. I think Sabe stays in B. I think Savage goes down to C. So Love with that. that in mind, let's go through each character. Bo, top of B? Yeah. Yes. Gar, right behind her? Eh. Okay. I heard eh. So who do we think in the B tier is better than Bo? I'm going to start by saying no I don't think anyone is. No. Nope. I think we're in agreement there. Who do we think in the B tier is better than Gar? I'm going to say no one again. But you guys disagree. Let's hear it. Mine was a reluctant. Eh, no, I think Gar is. I think Gar is good there. I, I love the other two, the next two in line, but I, I think Gar edges them out. Now, Jesse, you said eh. Who do you think is better than Gar? Because this could help form number three. Let's let's just do it. Let's let's go all in here. All all the chips. Ahsoka, Mini Asajj might be as good or better than Gar. And this is a tier list. We can't keep on the same plane. So here's my case. Gar wants to be in a list with all Mandos. I'm talking all Mandos. Ahsoka could be in a list with less Republic than all Republic. Like one less. There has been a Gar resurgence in recent weeks. It's the third one for sure with Gar, which is amazing. We all know it, right? I think by that alone, it's like, did he impactful turn one there? I I still think Gar is ahead of Ahsoka, and I love Ahsoka, but... I can, I can see you guys' points. I think they're definitely neck and neck for sure. Like, depending on, I guess, the list. Okay, next, Ahsoka, Barris. Do we like the order? Do we? Th- well, I guess Jesse. Yeah, per that conversation, I think I agree with Jesse. 
Barris is amazing. I've been fighting for this whole cast, I feel like. But Ahsoka is just easier because Raysia plus the double jump plus yeah. all of her movement outside of her activation. A little, bit more, a little bit more defensive on all of her stats. Better expertise. Got the deflect. It's like, so you can be a little bit more reckless with Jump her. Jump her up like multiple levels and secure a point by herself as a secondary, right? I think she's she's fine here. Cool. Alrighty. Uh, I'm assuming, Kevin, do you agree? Yep. No disagreement there. Cool. Two to one. Move on. Savage. This is where I'm going to start gripping my desk. Sure. Savage versus Sabe, right? Is what we're really looking at here? Essentially. Well, it's not even a versus. First, let's confirm, do we think he stays in B tier? I think Savage gets yes. a bad rap. I think him being bottom of B is perfectly reasonable. Okay. So we'll keep Savage in B tier. Now the next question, does Sabe stay in B tier or not? Nope. But that's... That's just Kevin, yeah. I mean... No, you're good. That's just Disagree all you want, but that might just be mine. No, that's cool. No, I, I, I'd love to hear Jesse's thoughts. Oh. There's, and there's no, no right because, answer, right? Because like, she is a character that is played with her box mates, right? I'm going to slam Sabe in so many games without Padme and Handmaidens. I'm ready for you to play Republic, period. Let's do it. I'm going to throw I'm gonna throw Gar into my Republic with no Mandos. I play Republic locally. I love it. So I think Sabe... Hmm. Just put her in C, Jesse. I know that's where you're going. She's clearly more powerful than Savage if she's with her box mates, right? Would you agree with that, Kevin? If she's fully in her Padme box... Is she better than Savage with Talls and the Night Sisters? I don't. I still don't think so. I think Talls and the Night Sisters. Talls and Night Sisters. They just. Yeah, I I can't. I see where you're going with that, but I, by that same logic, I still think that makes Savage better than Sabe. Let's keep it the same. Okay. They're both in B. What do you think, Amon? Uh. You want Savage down in C, don't you? It doesn't matter because you guys have decided it's two to one. It moves on. We have to be. We have to be cutthroat about it. I'm just trying to think if there's anything else I can say to convince you. Well, let's look at it like this. Who's in C right now? Pons and Aura? Are Sabe and Savage on Pons and Aura's level? I think Sabe's down there. I don't think Savage is. Yeah, I would say the complete opposite. And that's okay. That's and this okay. is why I like this. I'd rather have Savage than Pons as a Republic player. Let's say that for sure. Can you imagine if I could bring Mace, Savage, Arfs? That would be absurd. That'd be scary. I don't know. That's my thought. So we're flip flop, and you're you're breaking the tie here. Amon, where do you where do you want to land here? I'm breaking a tie. What? No, I know, I know. Amon and I are on opposite ends of this. Where Sabe, I think Sabe's down one, and Savage stays. And okay, Amon's so I'm going to split the difference, so no one will be happy. I think everyone stays in B, but Savage is the bottom. All right. What do you think about that, Amon? Keep him as is. Is that what you're saying? Move Savage to the bottom, but they're all B. And look who's ahead of him. It's Barris. Look at this tier. It's like, pick your flavor of flavor of reps. It is a nice beach here overall. We got to move on to C, though. <laughs> I'm not touching C. This looks... Pause and Aura looks really strong. Yeah. There's a part of me that thinks Aura could be D, but I think... She I think does I'm too much to compared to like Reva and Cody, is what I would say. And what about D? Well, I mean, you sold me on Reva not being the lowest, so I am content to leave her ahead of Cody, who I haven't seen played in like two plus I think months. I got Kevin when I was referencing like anybody that's played Cody since I did that first league, and I don't think anybody has. I haven't. And people have played Reva and done well, right? Yep. So it's like, 
at least Reba at the end of the day has a has a role in the Inquisitorius list. Cody does not have a role in the Republic list as Amon said. Makes it clear. Well, there you have it. That's our list. This one we was tough, there. guys. It was rough. But we expected that. We knew this one was going to be the toughest. Agreed. Man. And I appreciate that there was, uh, I mean, I came into this with one set of opinions on some of these characters. I can be swayed in some ways. And then, you know, and I appreciate that there's others where it's like, you know, we have our different takes on these guys and maybe we're not convinced one way or the other, but I, I prefer that than us just being like, oh, everyone's great. Let's all just agree. I dig that. So appreciate the takes everyone had. Got a little hot. It wasn't hot. I just think there was confusion on my end, so. on like what we were talking about at one point. But I think we got there in the end, which is important. And also like, again, these lists are so subjective, right? Like I think Jesse and I have consistently disagreed on many things when it comes to Shatterpoint. And that's okay. Um, I think there was a time period where when I first read OB2, I was like, I don't know if he's that good. And Jesse was like, he's amazing. And then I played one game with him and I was like, yeah, he's he's amazing, you know? So I think there are conversations that have happened and will continue to happen where we may disagree with one another. And I think that's fine. Like, I don't take conflict as a bad thing. I actually really enjoy having healthy conflict. Agreed. And this is such low stakes conflict yeah. too. So it's, First not, of it's not serious. But I also exactly. do like A tier and I'm like, okay, I see the R A tier and I'm like, okay, it's Kalani, Rex, Kraken. You just plug and play those models and you just have a blast, right? You just do well. That works. Like, that makes sense. Yeah. I do think Sabe is so much better with Handmaidens. I agree. Yeah. But you think there's some value there with. So, mark my words here. I am going to throw Sabe into my premiere for the next Hello There League with one of my primaries. I don't know which one. Padme. But- no, I'm not playing Padme. Nope. I might, I might throw her in. With, no, no, I'm not. I can't play Vader. Get out of here. I already, I literally <laughs> swore him off on this, it's on this stone. episode. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's been decided. I mean, I think it, she could pair well with an Anakin. But that's I the think, problem. I'm not, not running Rex with Anakin. Yeah. I mean, Rex and Padawan Ahsoka are the with superior Anakin, yeah. choices. I mean, maybe Sabe is a C if we remove the handmaiden thing. I'm not mad at that, honestly. I mean, if the more and more we talk about it... You know what? I'm going to try Sabe Handmaiden with Lumi. That'll be my fourth one for Premiere. Sabe Handmaiden with Lumi. Oh, I actually don't know if that's good. What? Hold on. The 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 Handmaidens, they... Yeah, I guess it's when this unit is not wounded, enemy characters engage with one or more characters, and this unit cannot target. Yeah, so they can still protect Lumi. Yeah. Not that she necessarily needs protection, but yeah, it can be done. Do we think Sabe and the Handmaidens can slot in with any other primary? I don't know, and I'm happy to find out. So I will report back to you at the end of this next league when I'm in last place with my Sabe Handmaiden Lumi list. Um, or I just I like the coordinated fire for them place. personally. I, right, we'll see. The disarm. Really I do. Nice. I do like the disarm, and I do like the intercede, and I think that alone will make me want to try them. So mm. plus with some flow of the force it's a drug mixed in there <laughs> that I'm knows. just now getting no. into. Flow so of good. the force. Lumi oh, is great. Lumi's incredible. It is good. Yeah, I actually think Lumi's better than Obi Wan, but that might be a conversation for another day. Probably will be a conversation for another day. It's a big one. Kevin, we appreciate you coming on 100%. talking about tier list, man. Yeah. Well in your run in these leagues, amazing stuff. Yeah. I mean hundred percent. And you know, your experience and your expertise in regards to succeeding in these events 
playing against people all over the world, beating them for the most part, I think is, is very exciting. And so I would love to see your takes. And I think it made for great conversation because I think maybe this list would have looked a little different if you weren't here. And that's what makes it fun. That's fair. It's like it's been a it's been a wild run for all of us, you know, not just myself. Yeah, it's been it's been so cool. This game is great. Star Wars is great. This community is great. I have no complaints except that uh, Reva and Cody need some work, but we've already touched sure. on that at length. Shadowpoint's amazing. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time explaining our game to new people, part of the minis community, but I like I bring up the chess like aspect a lot, and I'm sure you get this, Kevin, where it's like. People don't get that in their first pass, their first couple games, right? But when you, when you get five, yeah. ten games in, there is a chess-like aspect to Shatterpoint that is absolutely unique to our game. Separate from MCP or other analogous games people reference a lot, that is absolutely paramount, stellar, and unique to our game, frankly, is absolutely like one of a kind. It definitely, I mean, it took took some reps. You're right. You're absolutely right. It took some reps for it to grow on me because my first couple of games, I came into this with a mindset like, oh, I need to beat up models, right? I need to wound things. I need to take things off the table. And that's just not the case for this game. It's like, it's probably been less than 10 times in all my games combined that I've seen models physically removed from the board. And so going into it with a different mindset of like, okay, it's not just about killing things. Like this is, this is about strategic positioning. This is about control. This is about right pieces, right place, right time. And I love it. You know, it just, it just takes a couple games to get used to. And I think that's something that people need to Keep in mind when they're jumping into this game or when they're introducing people to this game. You know, don't be afraid to jump in and lose your first five to ten games, you know, and two struggles. You know, maybe you don't even make it to three. But it just, you know, comes with practice. Yeah, I think this might be a hot take, but I think Shadowpoint's harder to play than MCP. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. Especially if you want to, like, win hard, right? Yeah, I don't think you really win hard in this game. You can. You can. If you got that into a science, it's kind of insane, right? Because... It is that chess-like thing and you're multiple moves ahead of your opponent, right? When MCP, you just don't have that frequency to be that many moves ahead because the nature of the game and the game state and the uh, design, frankly, right? But Shatterpoint, you can do that. I will say in, in favor of Shatterpoint versus any other miniatures game I played is, listen, nobody likes losing. I don't like losing, but it happens. I have never had more fun losing than playing this game before. Agreed. Because even in those games where it was just going horribly for me i'm learning i'm having fun i'm engaged with the game and maybe that's because of my love of star wars like that's probably an influencing factor but every single game i played of this has been exciting win or lose 100 percent. you definitely learn lessons when you lose that's for sure one well, like <laughs> sorry i just been on my water but well, yes, it you're feels right. really good too it feels very the mac of star wars because the nature of the forms and the trees and like you you just get to do more right and other miniature games sometimes you move the board your models are removed from the table and you're like, what, what happened today? I spent 10 hours painting that model. Right. And Shatterpoint, you're saying, okay, okay. Dooku's wounded. Not great. Not great. But Dooku's going to get to go next turn and do a bunch of stuff. Right. And he's going to do all Dooku things mm-hmm. down his tree. Right. So it's like the best of both worlds with the, what MCP started and where we're at with Shatterpoint. Right. So AMG hats off to you guys. Yeah. And, uh, Absolutely amazing, and it definitely feels like the duels of Star Wars, right? Which we've been wanting in a minis game my whole life since I've been playing Star Wars minis games, where it's like, I want these duels to feel dy- dynamic and evocative of Star Wars, and they are. Well said. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. You can, of course, support us on Patreon. You can become a Hello There patron by going to patreon.com slash hellothercast. 
That, of course, gets you instant access to our Discord, to our patron community on Discord, and access to things like the leagues and other things going behind the scenes. Of course, you can find us everywhere online on the social media at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, at the same place, at Hello There Cast. And you can always email us at hellotherecast at gmail.com. And if you leave us reviews on your podcast platform of choice, it really matters to us. But most importantly, as Amon said, recent episodes, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, we're really trying to get over that 150 number for both. And we'd love for you to add to that. Absolutely. And we want to give a big shout out to Lofiel for the show's music. He did a great job, straight banger. And want to give a quick shout out to Imperial Terrain and Mr. Laser, both affiliate links that are supporting. Hello there. Imperial Terrain is the premier terrain maker for Star Wars tabletop games such as Legion and Shatterpoint. If you're interested in buying any digital products, please use the code hello there 5 all lowercase with the number 5 for 5% off. We have the same affiliate set up with mr-laser.square.site, your resource for everything Star Wars Shatterpoint. They already have great healthy discounts and you can get an additional 5% off with the code Hello there, five. Absolutely. So, Kevin, you've you've been a wonderful guest on this podcast for us. Where where can we find you everywhere online and on Discord? That's the thing. You can find me on Discord, and that's basically it. Because there's not an online presence for me, so uh, that's that's pretty much the extent of my social media. Where can we find you on Discord? Because we'd love to, uh, you know, people might hit you up about your Vader stuff or your Plo Vader stuff. Oh, Plo Vader! I love that so much. Everyone needs to try that <laughs> at least once. Absolutely. No, but it's uh, just Kevin C. 3585. That's my Discord name. Or Sith Emperor Kevin, if you're in the Hello There cast. Everyone should join that. Kevin's also on our TTS servers a lot, giving demos, giving practice runs of the game, setting people up for the next league, which starts very soon. Amon and I were talking about mid-November. We're starting our next league, and we'd love for you to join. So if you want to become a patron and get part of the next league, that's Hello There Episode 3. Definitely join in on that. Now, while you have the chance, join our Patreon and get part of that. Of course, you can find me, Jesse, everyone online at Twitter, Instagram, Longshakes, Discord, all the same place, at Jesse Aiken. That's J-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. And check out my show, Fury's Finest, about everything Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. Amon, where can everyone find you? You can find me at A Man Who Games on X. My name is Amon Kusro everywhere else, and I'm the only Amon on most Discords. In fact, I would... Venture to say all the discords that you're in, listener. I'm the only Amon. I've defeated all the other Amons in single combat. And on the tier list of the Amons, I am the S rank Amon. Can't stop it. Won't stop it. No skill required. Can't. He's not a bear. All the dashes. No, no skill required. You just <laughs> plug me in and I will defeat everyone. There it is. No force push on a street doesn't need it. I don't need it. I have diceless manipulation. There it is. God. Well, this has been a blast. Kevin, thank you for joining us again. It's been a a pleasure to have a producer on the show and also someone who's got your tenure on both TTS leagues. I feel very blessed to be in the circles we're in, Amon, where it's like between our leagues and the TTS league, we're seeing a lot of familiar faces, right? And we're playing a lot of similar people and um, we're crossing paths and Shadowpoint's in a good place right now. So thank you guys for being part of that. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been an incredible journey. We'll do it again soon and uh, you'll see Kevin on the Discord more and more. And until next time, thanks for listening. And may the force be with you.